Blog Talk Radio. be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Thank you. 
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk on lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blindly passion, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. Delayed. 
and I'm having a very, very hard time understanding when they say no. It, did they mean no six seconds ago? Do they mean no now? So, yeah, so, so evidently the program needs, the program wiring, the computer setup needs a remarkable amount of additional work, which I'm not surprised about, but I was getting very good indications uh, prior to the show that everything was going to be working right. Um, so I took a chance. Um, and it says now, it says it sounds great. That's what I'm hearing from Sister Vera. I don't know why she typed no Trump. I mean, that's just silly. Um, shame on you for typing no Trump. We're trying to get, get naughty, naughty. Um, I, it looks like Nancy's going to say something, so I'll just let her type away. Um, and uh, we'll go ahead and start the show with a prayer. Now, I am, this is not ideal. Um, I expected there to be problems. It's actually kind of a miracle that, that the system is even up at all, all things considered. Um, also, I'll talk about this in just a second, but let's just go ahead and open with a prayer. Unfortunately, um, uh, hold on just a second. Let me see if I can do this. This, this, is the, this is the hard part. The really hard part is I have to sh shift back to how I did the radio show 10 years ago and remember how I did it. Um, and a lot of the buttons I'm pressing are not working. Hold on just a second. Here we go. Um, let me give this a try. Okay. And all right. Okay. That's, yeah. So there's also a lot of, um, let's see here, sounds that are not available. I expected that to happen. Let me try this. Um, and be holy. Let's see if I even have it. Okay, unfortunately, I have only the whole the whole song, so I can't do just like a segue like I used to do. Okay, so anyway, um, we just shifted gears from uh, high hopes. You know, it would have been a miracle. I know that. It would have been a miracle uh, if I was able to get, uh, you know, 100% operation from the new uh, computer slash radio setup. Um I'm very happy that the mixer, well, no, wait a minute. It appears that the mixer is fine. I'm finding things all over the place, so I'm just letting you know, praise God, that um, uh, my original estimate was $2,000 of lost electronic equipment. Uh, that, that's not right because I keep finding more and more things. So it appears that my uh, ICOM ham radio was taken out. Very sad because that's about $3,000. Um I just discovered that this is very sad. My uh, Western Digital Elements 8-terabyte external hard drive is dead. And what's worse is I checked the power supply, and it's getting the right amount of power, but it's just not coming on, which means the lightning bolt rode right through the power supply directly into the drive and blew it to heck. That's kind of a bummer because that's where I, that was my backup of all backups of all backups. So that's where I use my very expensive Acronis software to send all my data so that I could never, ever, ever, ever lose any data. Well, guess what? That drive is now dead. Long side of my dead hammer, I know. Long side of a whole bunch of dead stuff. <laughs> Praise God. So anyway, um, it's close. I, 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 you know, I just don't know. Windows 11 has a lot of bugs in it. Um, I did not want to go to Windows 11, but nevertheless, 
uh, here I am. Um, and I don't, you know, I'm, I, I, what I won't do is I will not try to figure out God, but I will give you the testimony. I made this show three hours tonight um, because Gary is very, you know, he's an on-time kind of guy, you know what I mean? To him, it's like an appointment, right? Um, to some of the guests, it's like, you know, it's an appointment, but to Gary, it's more of an official appointment. Yeah, like, like, you know, I'm going to start at 8, going to go to 9, and then I'm done. Because he moves around and does a lot of radio shows and that kind of stuff. Anyway, before I praise Jesus, um, and I'm glad that the phone turned out to be a reasonable um, uh, backup plan. Um, there wasn't a good plan. You know, until I'm at 100% restoration of operability with the main radio show computer, it will always be hobbling like I used to when I was coming in from hotels. So many of you may remember the days where I, I desperately did radio shows on Wednesday nights and stuff when I was traveling, like, to Denver, which means that I've got to be, like, out of the client's office, in my rental car, back to the hotel, I mean, like, in unbelievably short periods of time, and fire up, you know, fire up my laptop, get everything talking. That's where I'm operating right now. I'm, the, the only difference right now between operating out of a hotel room versus operating in a full studio is that I do have the show notes up on a really bright, high-quality screen, which is nice. And I've got other things that are very nice, too, that I can see. But I still got to get the sound right. And that's going to take some work, and I, don't, I really don't know how much. And what it, because if they change, if Windows changed, the sound subsystem and how it works, which they it darn sure looks like that's what they did between Windows 10 and Windows 11, which, of course, would be my greatest fear because that means I have to, A, pray that it's going to work at all, ever. B, I mean, it should, but, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, cut the long story short, um, yeah, I got a lot of work to do. And, I'm, and as I'm doing the work, I'm discovering more and more electronics systems and things that got struck and um, anyway I, it's just part of life praise God thank you Jesus Father dear Heavenly Father we just lift you up and praise your holy name we thank you Lord we thank you Father for letting us limp along um, we thank you Father for the loss of very very expensive equipment but we thank you for the blessing of our jobs even though they scare us a lot of times and there's a lot of stress that keeps us awake at night we thank you for those jobs, Father. We thank you when those layoffs are occurring, as they are at my job. We thank you, Father, for putting us through these fearful situations so that we, can, we too, can be tested, tried, true, and forever seeking a greater level of trust with you. Even though we frequently do not understand it, we don't understand how the darkness is allowed to pierce through our divine protection at times. But we also understand that we're in a testing place now, and we will continue, some of us, not all, but some of us will continue to have ever-increasing magnitudes, um, impact levels of trials and tribulations. We will pray. We will be the persistent widow of Luke 18, but it will not go away. We don't know for sure. We can hypothesize that it's because we're doing damage to the forces of darkness. 
We can hypothesize because we might believe that some of our prayers and truly believe that maybe all of our prayers are reaching people's lives, even in their dreams and visions. We can hypothesize about a lot of things, but we can never completely understand everything that you do and why you do it and the timing thereof. But we thank you, Father, for every test, every challenge, every trial, every tribulation. We thank you, Father, that we are not, we're not saying this in a puffed up way, but we are very, very grateful that we are not those brothers and sisters of ours that are kind of coasting through life thinking everything's hunky-dory. And that, um, you know, the seven mountains is going to come around and save the day. We praise you, Father. We pray for each of them. We see and sometimes hear the increasing stress in their voices. But it seems to be short-lived most of the time. And our fellow brothers, many of our fellow brothers and sisters just can't seem to get their arms around how far we are into the book of Revelation and deep we are into the Olivet Discourse. We thank you for that revelation. I pray in Jesus' name, Father God, for a tenfold blessing for every single listener of this program that even uttered, even for a moment, a prayer for me. And I, Father, will continue to pray for all of the listeners of this show. For why should we bother to go through? Not that it, would, not that it is a bother. It's a test. It's definitely, I don't know what the right word is. Maybe it's not a bother. But it's definitely a trial. And it's definitely a very difficult test. And I guess we're special because if we weren't, why then would we be tested? Testing is what is used to change us, to bring us to a closer, more holy state, more pure state of thinking, more directly merged with the Godhead, more closer to you in every manner of the word, Lord, even though... The trials and tribulations themselves are what are oftentimes driving us to a deeper relationship. It gives you the opportunity to show yourself incredibly loving through all of it and doing lots of many miracles along the way, such as the one tonight. Um, And we're just going to praise your name and thank you, Father God, forevermore. Hallelujah. And here we go, like the olden day. Let's see how this works. down have a mute button (laughs) so if I'm drinking water or whatever I told you to see watch and pray for I would come for you one day I gave you my word so you would
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to look for one more confirmation. Um, and, oh, where's that little list I had? Oh, man, please tell me I didn't throw it away. I bet you I did throw it away. Dag gone, dag nabbit. Here it is, maybe. Hold on. Ugh, trying to reach back here. I made a little list of sound effects. I did not expect to have to use the Blog Talk Radio sound effects board tonight and until I figure out how the cables and schmables and wires and gadgets and gadgets and bugs and ah, doggone it. Well, I don't have it. So anyway, um, uh, what I'm going to have to do is fish a little bit more for music. So I got all this stuff. I got all this stuff from when I used to travel before up here. Like, oh man, it just goes on and on and on. I also have to watch my step too, because I don't know I don't want to play any um, of the music that's on the radio show console, um, I, you know, that's going to get me into trouble with copyright and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I figure I'll wait for the WEF to come and take my house away. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so one thing is, okay, hold on. No, okay, almost there. Uh, here, we, here we go. Let's see if this works. All right. Now, what's that? Okay. Well, that's interesting. So, we got kids. And we got booing kids. We even have a punchline drum. All right. All right. So, um, yeah. So, we're doing it the old-fashioned way. Um, I don't have the luxury of using the mixer and the soundboard. Um, and, uh, but that's okay. I'll keep on working on it and we'll, you know, we'll just use workarounds until, um, I can find a time and everything to try to sort this all out, this whole Windows 11 weirdness. Um, anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, uh, there's always alternatives. We are connected to the internet. Um, and once I get the sound working normally again, we'll do another test. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We also have um, tonight, Gary Wayne, um, many of our favorites, um, I was so happy to be able to do the program. Now, I could have, like I said, I could have done the whole thing from my, my I have two laptops, one for work and one of my own. And I, I, was, I had either or. I could have used either or. Um, nevertheless, the hard part is that you're, it's, it's very different from being in a studio situation. When you're in a studio situation, you have live monitors. You can hear all the sounds coming from the computer. You can hear everything. It just, you could, it's just like it's like three-dimensional surround sound. So the doing the program becomes a very living experience. And uh, you know, and it may, and of course, it comes out you know not, not nowhere near as amazing you know coming because it's very low bandwidth. A good part of the very low bandwidth, as as I've mentioned in prior programs is that it, praise Jesus, it allows the audio from this radio show to go to places in the world and be heard um, by people who live in, like, Namibia and are gathering together in groups, um, you know, like uh, at an Internet cafe or something, you know, on some dirt road down whatever. So anyway, um, praise God, uh, you know, we're, like, we got – we have the foundational stuff in place. We can do radio shows. I did buy an extra headset. 
Um, I, but again, until I get it all figured out, I might be able to use the headset as a workaround. From for now, from this point forward, however, I will just do um, do it like um, I'm doing it now. You know, I'll dial into the program and then I'll uh, call in via my phone. So that is my initial um, workaround. Praise God, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah! Right? <laughs> Wait a minute. It's so. <laughs> I, get rid of it. I know. I know. Your kids are too kind. Your kids are too kind. Praise God. Um, yeah, I wish I had access to the soundboard. Um, that I'm going to have to wait till I get everything else fixed up until I'll have that again. The soundboard lets me go randomly and very rapidly between different sounds. The Blog Talk Radio sound effects board does not have that functionality. And so anyway, it, it makes it a very manual process to, 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 you know, do different things. Praise Jesus. All right. So anyway, kids, um, uh, let's just go ahead. And, yeah, all right. We, we, we have a limited amount of time, praise God, uh, before Brother Gary comes on. Um, I'm not really sure if I'm going to do all that much, uh, you know, Afterwards, I, I I probably would have if the mixer and all the other pieces of the you know, Golden GIB Studios were up yet, but they're not fully up. Um, the progress that's been made is noteworthy um, and almost miraculous because it was I couldn't even get the monitors working, and then like an hour and a half before the show, it's like it was weird. Everything started working. You know, at least not everything, but, you know, a lot, I'd say 80%. So, um, but unfortunately, when more things work, you find out that more things are broken. That's just how it goes. So anyway, I think at this point, you know, just to try to keep us on cue for um, Gary's timely call in, praise Jesus, um, let's just uh, go through the the news, which is, you know, like a bonanza of all kinds of different things, including prophecy information and other stuff. Um, because um, it'll give us all a chance to kind of like catch up with where we are, straighten out maybe uh, some of the alarmist information that's out there on the Internet from various YouTubers and believers and things. Um, you know, we are on the edge. Everybody knows that. But anybody who's been around long enough knows that we've been on the edge since like 2009. Um, and then, of course, we went through the whole surge of 2012 went through the whole surge of 2015, which was when all the prophets were saying that Obama was going to start martial law and stay in the office of president, not leave, which is what a lot of people are trying to say about Biden uh, now. Um, we have, I don't know if you remember this, but we have, um, uh, I don't even know how many. I know I have heard from at least three very, I mean, in, in a conspiracy, quote, theorist, realm of understanding that we all have, uh, at least we ought to have, um, these were highly credible people. And uh, and they weren't just quoting themselves, they were also quoting other, you know, sources of highly authoritative, you know, the people that would know. And if David Rockefeller comes out and he says, your bank account's going to be zero tomorrow, you better believe it's going to be zero unless a God sends an archangel down and somehow cuts that circuit and you supernaturally get your money back. So anyway, so the point is that here we are, August 7th, and um, there is uh, no uh, 
no definite – I mean, don't get me wrong. There's stuff going on. There always is. But there's no – you know, the word was from the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, from many of the other talking heads and, and experts out there, that we were coming to a hurricane, not just a storm, of financial bad stuff, okay? I don't want to get into the lingo because it's never-ending glossary of terms. It's always changing depending on the narrative, you know, call it a recession, call it whatever you want to. They're going to change the names because they don't want anybody to say the bad word, the super bad word, which is depression. You know, and then you've got, like, all kinds of, like, untrustworthy job numbers coming out in the middle. And then, you know, anyway, so it, it, it's, it's meant to be that way. The protocols of the learned elders of Zion, uh, you know, and again, the good old term, uh, you know, from the Hegelian dialectic, order chaos or order out of chaos right so the more chaos we're in the better because chaos causes fear fear energizes the darkness the demons feed off of it it's one of the reasons why there are so many bible verses telling us not to be fearful and to trust god and to spend time in prayer and be anxious for nothing and in all things through prayer and supplication and praise thanksgiving that your needs be made known to God and the peace of God that, you know, that surpasses all understanding will fall upon your heart and mind. You know, I, quite frankly, I could use an extra dose of that. I don't know about you. Praise God. But anyway, so looking at all the stuff, you know, the Nancy Pelosi trip, everybody's getting all worked up about that. I mean, I was not disconnected. Don't worry. The main computer system was down, but I was, you know, once my Internet came, I was still uh, accessing internet information gangbusters, even when the internet, oh God, folks, hallelujah. If you had been through what I, I am still going through, but if I was to take, you know, barring a really bad health situation, I would be hard pressed to believe that there's anybody out there that, <laughs> has gone through as bad as the last few weeks as I have. Um, uh, but could be. All right. So anyway, um, um, uh, you know, to, to try to make it as, as brief as I can, I don't want to go through all the details. I'm watching the clock. I was. I was able to find the old clock uh, application. I was all kind of happy, um, you know, as I'm rebuilding this thing because I don't know how much I lost. But anyway, here's the thing. When we look at all the stuff that's going on, the Nancy Pelosi stuff, the, 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 I'm going to skip over the other thing I was going to say. The, um, the Nancy Pelosi stuff, people getting freaked out about it, people still continuing to get freaked out about, um, you know, people freezing to death, you know, this winter because of loss of energy, LNG, all that kind of stuff, and the gas crumb line being cut off, and blah, 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 blah. And we all know it's orchestrated. The list is big. It has been big for a really long time. Uh, it's been getting bigger. Um, you know, when I heard Pelosi was going to Taiwan, I was like, come on, man. Is, is Xi Jinping, like, completely um, devoid of any brain cells? I, the only reason that they would do any kind of military actions or put together sanctions or whatever is to take a stand of strength. But I don't perceive – Jinping isn't going to launch a missile over Nancy Pelosi. I doubt he'll even pull out a slingshot. 
flimmy. She's meaningless in the entire grand scheme of things. Not to mention that Biden and whoever else, maybe the thousands of others, probably hundreds of others that are involved from the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate that are involved in the with China. I mean, they're in bed with China. There, this is all China owns here. So, in this spirit of, um, uh, you know, and hold on a second, I gotta, I'll get better at this. I promise. Uh, hopefully, the, the radio show will be fixed. And I'll be back to the soundboard, but I gotta type in um, sound effects. All right, uh, dash. Let me see if this works. All right, here we go. And it's not. So I must have. Hold on. Sound dash. All right. Yep. Nope. So I'm just going to have to do this. Let me try another trick. Okay, there we go. Nope. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, that list I made earlier would have come in real handy, but I can't find it right now. Hold on a second. Um, Let me try this. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And there's only four hits. And wasn't this fun? Here we go. This is what I was looking for the whole time. But I, I lost my list, so that's my excuse. I had a nice list made up of keywords that I was going to type in to find the sound effects. Praise God. Here we go. Not normal. Wow. All right, praise God. And also, I can dial in using my Skype minutes too. I didn't think about that. That would sound even better. But um, that's okay. For now, this will work. All right, praise Jesus. So listen, um, I'm just gonna kind of like dive in to uh, all the show notes. Like now, what I had to, I, as you can imagine, I had to go, you know, go through. I don't even know how many pages to pick out what to me, looked like it would be the most important stuff. So let's go ahead and just kind of think it through together. Um, you know, I, I don't mean to be such a killjoy skeptic, but after 11 years of getting my lights punched out by every prophet between here and Wuxi, China, um, and it's not that there's anything. I just think God changed his mind. I'm not accusing them of – there's some of them that are really dorked up, and they're not – I don't think they're hearing from God at all. The Seven Mountains ones, I forget that. But the other ones can just be seducing spirits or, you know, their interaction with people on the earth um, through their Facebook pages and things like that that persuade them and make them think things. that And it, and it finds its way into their prophetic tongue. And you have to be able to detect it or else. You know, you can't like, oh, that's baloney, or oh, I shouldn't pay attention to that, or oh, that's not meant for me because there's only like you got the wise virgins, the foolish virgins, the tribulation saints, you got the first, the barley harvest, the wheat harvest, the grape harvest. I mean, oh my gosh, and that's like only part of it. There's more. There's even tares and lizard creatures, and you know what we're dealing with in our government is unbelievable. All right, so anyway, praise Jesus. So, um, um, the Oh, yeah. Okay, hold on a second. I got this other sound effect I want to use. This is one of the ones I put on my list. All right, there it is. Why is it lighting up? All right, hold on a second. I got it. All right. Cool. 
All right. So anyway, um, what I oh I got some cool ones here. Here's people sad. Oh. Yeah, I needed that one for uh, when uh, Obama didn't stay in office. Uh, hey. hey, hey, that's not funny. All right. So anyway, I want to read to you. I think you might appreciate it, or maybe you will, like, not appreciate it. Uh, And I can dig both positions. Trust me. Um, Nobody stuck on this notion. i got to watch my time. I'm still stuck on this notion that Sarah Manet's vision is probably the most accurate one to base anything that you think today on. Um, I know a lot of websites and places out there are screaming bloody murder. This is it. This is it. This is it. But doesn't it like, don't you kind of get tired of it after a while? There's no logical analysis. There's no common sense. There's no, and even when you apply a skeptical, you know, well thought out, you think from every different angle, you know, I can see when you when you understand how deeply in bed you you got to get your priorities straight or else you'll never be able to analyze things and then you'll just be another talking head out on the internet or somebody that's listening to another talking head out on the internet and at the end of the day the conclusion is any second now the whole world's going to just like blow up and turn into world war 3 well that's not how it works world war 3 does not begin because somebody picked up a microphone or signed a proclamation all right. It, World War III will not begin with Xi Jinping making an, a global announcement that World War III is going to begin on Wednesday, because that's not how it works. World War II and World War I basically became what they became because of some really bad choices and also because of some uh, agreements treaties that were signed between between like Spain and France and Denmark and or not Denmark uh, yeah Netherlands and and all this they had treaties they they weren't like a big NATO thing but they had smaller treaties so what happened was little by little as Hitler was being allowed to do what he should never have been allowed to do moving into Poland all that kind of stuff Czech Republic unhindered um, that should have been stopped, but they let him do it because everybody's like, hey, man, you know, they didn't mess with me, so I don't want to get involved. Well, the problem is when you do that, when you take that position, what happens is the treaties start to kick in because, like, France will have a treaty with the Czech Republic or Spain will have a treaty with, you know, Poland. And, you know, it, it's not one giant NATO treaty, right, but there are lots of little treaties. So it wasn't like somebody stood up on a microphone. And, and of course, we all remember our Pearl Harbor movies, don't we? Where you remember Roosevelt over some zenith wooden radio with tubes in the back. There was no TV. And he's like, my fellow Americans, we have been viciously and surprisingly attacked by Japan. And this has put us in a situation where we now must join the war. Okay, that's not 
some Xi Jinping or Putin or whatever. Have you noticed what are we, five or six weeks? How, how long have we been dealing with the whole Ukraine situation? It's, it's about, I don't mean weeks, I mean months. And the whole time, everybody, everybody, oh, this is going to turn into World War III. We have seen not one, not one tiny, infinitesimally small indicator at all, except for the fact that saber-rattling for saber-rattling, Putin and Sergei um, uh, Shoku will go public occasionally, not usually Putin directly, but his ambassadors, and they will say, they will make comments. It's strategic. They're letting you know, look, we have nukes, you got nukes, don't push us. They're trying to shove back the bully, which is the Rockefeller, Illuminati, uh, you know, um, anyway, us, the West. And, of course, you know, under the World Economic Forum of Nazis, uh, you know, they've got a global satanic crime syndicate. And that doesn't mean I love Putin. I hate his jail system. I can't believe he hasn't torn down those prison camps. I can't believe he lets the, the, the guards beat the heck out of people. I'm sorry, but that's not okay. So I don't like Putin. I'm officially going on record as saying I don't like him. Now, that being said, I don't know if he has some type of I, – I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. But as far as the Ukraine is concerned, he had every reason to do exactly what he is continuing to do while Ukraine army and neo-Nazis are blowing up things. They're trying to take out another nuclear reactor. Okay, They won't knock it off. When there's an apartment building of Ukrainian people killed and slaughtered with babies on the ground, it's coming from missiles that are being shot by the Ukrainian army themselves. They are evil. Putin is getting all the blame. It's all part of the satanic game to try to trick World War III into escalating. And has it been successful? No. Because the minds of the people, just it, it, it's, it's almost to the point of whereby it's an, attitude, or an aptitude, aptitude issue. The people that are on the West are acting like somebody ripped out half their brain. And the people, you know, Xi Jinping and Putin are acting, they're not happy. They're downright angry, I'm sure. They're ready to go to war if they need to. And they're going to be at, you know, the highest level of DEFCON for China or Ru- Russia or whatever. And they will tell us, watch out, we got nukes. They will tell us this, that the Satan II um, missile is capable of, you know, hypersonic explosives that are non-nuclear, conventional, where they could take out all of the NATO headquarters across Europe with one missile. Why would they say that? Because they don't want to go to war. That's why they say those things. 90% of the time, if not greater, when a person threatens something, they are, it's, the, it's like a skunk lifting its tail. And that's what's happening all over the place. There's a whole bunch of skunks that are lifting their tails, and the only ones who are taking the stink and getting sprayed is the West and Europe. I consider the Europe being part of the West, the way things, you know, this, the way this is all kind of mapped out. But it's by design. And 
Obama, who I still to this day believe with all of my heart is the Antichrist, is he's not running the whole show yet, okay? His time has not come yet. But you can believe the forces of the Fourth Reich, the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate, knows exactly who's calling the shots and what the master plan is. We are in the middle of it, but we still have no reason. We can't – we're just – there's nothing. There's no – violations on Russians, believe me, if they could have invoked Article 5 NATO and done more and and pushed World War III forward, they're still conniving trying to figure out how they're going to do it. But they've been unsuccessful. So what does that mean? For me, what it means is that I'm astonished that the global satanic crime syndicate, the George Soros's, the you know the whole Klaus Schwab network of evil, hasn't done something to stop the election process in the United States. As a matter of fact, it seems to be getting stronger as each day goes by. Are we going to get hit? You know, they've just announced monkeypox is a medical emergency. That a national medical emergency. What that does brings back the Alex Jones commentary I played on the prior show, or a couple prior shows, where he said H.R. 4350 gives unlimited power to Biden in the case of a declaration of a national emergency, which upset him greatly because he knew how easy it would be for them to do that. Well, technically, right now we have an official national emergency. It's called donkeypox. I'm sorry. It's called monkeypox. <sighs> All right. So anyway, I, I got my typical and very beloved email from uh, Sister Amara in um, Majorca, Spain. And she looks around at all the sites that people look around at, just like I used to. Um, and she, of course, walks away thinking that there's going to be a, a giant bright flash of light and the world is going to burn up and catch on fire any second now. Um, that is not, um, uh, you know, a reality. It's what, it's what when, you, when you are focused on the things that are happening around the world as we are, your tendency, your whole psyche will, it will become heavily influenced by what you're reading, and you will get that feeling that it's going to blow. But I've had that feeling that it was going to blow for 11 years. See, that's where I'm different. I admit, okay, and I'm happy to admit that I've been in the midst of this alarmist dynamic, which it's, has a lot of validity. I mean, but here's the thing. if Let's just pretend Let's just pretend that one of the superpowers or one of the powers, even North Korea, launched a deadly missile and it killed a bunch of people. Does that necessarily mean that World War III is going to start? As a general rule, it does not. Okay, so what is it? What kind of an event? Would, like, I think Klaus Schwab nailed it. A cyber event that takes down power grids and banking systems and puts everybody in the dark and no air conditioning or freezing to death in the winter. 
That's the type of event that needs to happen for them to institute martial law, cancel out the midterm elections, no Republican return of power, no reversal of all of the evil that's been instituted on paper from the Obama administration. Yes, I said the Obama Antichrist administration because we're not dealing with Biden. He is not even human. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, I'm on that note, let's go ahead and uh, hit what we can before we bring on Gary, and then I'll wrap up. Um, I'll, I'll wrap up uh, uh, a little bit more, perhaps, after Gary's done. Praise Jesus. All right, so here we go. Let's go ahead and hit this. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so I got the email from Amara over in uh, Majorca, and she was saying about, you know, she just kind of listed out this huge list of things that are happening. And I responded to her like this because I'm trying to keep my NEFO going on, level-headedness, like we're commanded. Uh, the Bible in several verses refers to it as, um, you know, uh, sobriety. But it's really talking about level-headedness, and the Greek word is NEFO. I said to her, yeah. Well, today, um, oh, I start telling her about I have to mess with the computer and setting it up. Um, says, I said, it looks like some of your sources are overstating and exaggerating things, as always. If a person doesn't see the big picture and considers only some possibilities or outcomes, then they conclude incorrectly. Let's play a game, like game of pretend. Pretend that China takes over Taiwan, and one day they paratroop over a million troops into Taiwan. What happens next? Pause. Pregnant pause. What happens next? Do you realize that, I put this in the email, do you realize that China controls virtually all the Earth's rare earth minerals? Which, by the way, you need to make cell phones, cars, which is why they shut down the Mustang plant, um, you know, all these things. Computers, computer chips, all that stuff. Everything comes to a halt. Um, do you know that Obama and Biden love China and have secret pacts and agreements with them? Do you all think that Nancy Pelosi doesn't have some kind of secret pact and agreement with China? Do you all think that Nancy Pelosi isn't in bed with, a, with, a, with a Biden and son and whoever else is seething with, with foul you get it. You get what I'm saying. We're being played. All right. Um, it goes on to say, do you know China supplies more food to other countries than many others? The, you know, why? What are we going to do? Shoot ourselves in the head? Start war with China right now? Do some sort of military action? Get on TV and make an announcement? Look at Ukraine. Nothing happened. Here we are still. North Korea is a wild card. And I, I, I told her, I said, I, you know, Trump is also a wild card. We, we're watching. We're watching. But what we don't want to do is start running around like our head is on fire um, just because of what we see at this website, that website, this website, that website. I've been doing it a long time. So far, the hit list, it, it, it's really, it's a really poor record. Um, things are progressing. We need to be very, very careful and watchful of these things. I'm more apt at this point to focus on the ceremony vision as being the only one that I trust right now. However, 
I still think there are other events that will be woven in and shall happen, and we definitely need some kind of an event to stop the midterm elections in the United States. Otherwise, all I can say is the level of astonishment that I will personally carry with me is not measurable or quantifiable, and and I will be absolutely stupefied because the Republicans will reverse everything that they did, pretty much, and it's going to almost like reset the clock. I don't. I, I mean, things will still continue in Europe. There will be things that will be happening around the world, et cetera. But if Trump gets back in in 2024, that would make even more sense uh, And because they would become desperate and then worse things happen. And then you have your civil war and your escalation. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, on that note, uh, we're down to four minutes before we bring in Gary. So we'll go ahead and hit a little bit more of the news as, um, you know, no surprises. Here we go. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Earth's crust dips like cold syrup into the planet's core. According to a study, the lead author of a new research said that their team confirmed that a deformation on the surface of the area of the Andes Mountains has a large portion of the lithosphere below avalanched away. Again, you've got to really dig into this because it's a very deep a scientific article, but nevertheless, anything that has to do with the Earth's core not operating properly or normally, anomalously, uh, then um, that's, a be- that's a Planet X thing. That's a huge, huge warning for all of us. How much closer we are getting to Acts 2, verse 17 to 22, where it says, blood fire and vaporous smoke and all those who call out upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That blood, fire, vaporous smoke, that's volcanoes, that's geothermal activity. Uh, you know, Pastor Augusto Perez saw giant crevasses opening up in the earth and entire uh, families and people and, okay, and villages falling into these giant crevasses in the earth. That's what it's talking about, but we're not there yet. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next one up. Oh, yeah, hold on a second. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to do this, but like I said, I don't have the cue quite, the, quite where I wanted it to be. There we go. All right, next one up. <laughs> Fire rescue. House in town and country erupts. Now, this is where I live, town and country, Tampa. House in town and country erupts into flames after a lightning strike. This actually came out right after the strike that hit my house. Now, of course, you know, I had a, you always have a few people going, what did you do wrong to upset the Lord God that your house would be hit with lightning? Surely God is unhappy with you. I'm like, okay, but why did Jesus say it, it you know, rains on the just and the unjust? I mean, what, what about Job, you know? What about we're not going to make it in heaven without going through trials and tribulations? You know, I mean, people just read what they want to believe. They think what they want to believe. And I'm, you know, I mean, we all need to be very leery of it because it's all around us. Uh, And it's going to segue uh, into our imminent future. Praise God. All right. So there wasn't even just that one. Also, in conjunction with it was three killed in a lightning strike near the White House. Started out with one. Then it was like a couple, you know, you know, three people knocked out. And anyway, long story short, turned into three people actually dying from the lightning strike that occurred almost on the same day 
within a couple of days of the one that took out uh, part of, you know, a quadrant of my house. Um, and then another, so lots of stuff going on in Tampa, then D.C., and then it turns out another one, that this may have been just last night, uh, the headline reads, lightning strike on oil storage tank in Cuba causes massive fire. So these are all dynamics that are very typical of the magnetosphere of the Earth being substantially um, disturbed by the presence of a phenomenally powerful black hole-like mag- magnetic force known as Nibiru. That, you, if you watch the TV series, very hard to get a hold of the DVDs, called Impact, and you watch the movie Melancholia, you will see the, uh, particularly Impact, you will see the massive electromagnetic Van de Graaff generator-like effect on planet Earth that is devastating. And, and, and we have seen these trends over the last several years, but I, I don't know about y'all, but it, sure, it definitely seems to me to be an uptick of these events. Praise God. And I see you there, Gary. Hang on there for me for a second. Uh, wait a minute. Nope, 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 not, not yet, not yet. That's all I did. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, and next, oh, where is it? There we go. Next one up. The West is silent as the Ukraine targets civilians in Donetsk um, using banned butterfly mines. So, again, it's the same story over and over again. We blame Russia. They blame, you know, the Ukraine. We blame Russia. They blame the Ukraine. The only thing that I can say is even the Chechnyan troops aren't wearing swastikas. I, you know, I say jury dismissed. Gavel has hit the, you know, the post. It, time to call the sentence. The West is the problem. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so uh, let's continue forward. Hallelujah. Russia's special operation in the Ukraine. Sweden to send up to 120 military instructors to the United Kingdom to train Ukraine's troops. Well, you know why? They're grabbing like 80-year-old men that are looking around for their dentures. They're grabbing little kids scared to death. They're doing the same kind of weird, creepy stuff that Hitler did at the very end of uh, uh, World War II. So anyway, um, it, the situation is just as bad as it ever was. Okay, and if I had my soundboard, I'd probably play the sound effect for that. All right, thank you, Jesus. And I just saw Gary connect, praise God. And, uh, Gary, we're going to jump over to you, and then I'll go ahead and wrap up these uh, last couple of headlines, um, uh, either on the tail end of the show or, you know, however the Lord leads. But anyway, praise Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, oh, uh, I am running sound off of – Gary, I'm just letting you know I'm running sound off the um, soundboard, and um, I have to – Operate a little bit differently, so there's a little bit more um, manualness to it. But here we go. Hold on. There we go. Got to have the show for Gary, are you there? 
I am, and uh, so happy to be back. I can't believe another 30 days has gone by, but it has. And uh, yeah, so happy to be back to talk with your audience tonight. And I think it's going to be another interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we were down for uh, quite some time. I think Sister Nancy sent you know, kind of like a little heads up email to let you know that um, we took a m- massive lightning hit. Um, it didn't hit the house, but it interestingly blew out the entire electrical circuit, five huge breakers um, inside the uh, studio that I work at. Everything's, you know, where I got the mixer and the, the mics and everything tricked out. Well, killed the computers, killed my ham radio, killed an eight terabyte storage unit. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's going to be just like a, a party in the, <laughs> trying to put it all back together again. So I'm kind of limping along tonight, but I wanted yeah. to get back on the program. So glad you joined us. Yeah, glad so to that's be here. not the first time you've been hit either. No, I was hit before, and I know what I'm in for. I know that I'm going to be finding broken, expensive devices around the house for a while. But, um, you know, the obliteration of the radio show computer, that's, that was a big one. Um, but, um, I, you know, all I can say is praise God, you know, we'll pull through it. We've got, th- this program has been through some really bad stuff. Okay. <laughs> I won't get into the copyright thing. I'll leave there's, but we've been through some really, really tough times. And so like, I, you know, some of my favorite verses in the Bible are the ones that like, you know, congratulate you for, you know, going through such humongous trials and tribulations but they're like my favorite ones because it's like i could like wear t-shirts with all those on them you know what i mean yeah they kind of resonate don't they (laughs) oh man yeah absolutely anyway on that note i'm going to grab my virtual uh folding chair and let you take it away thank you so much for joining us god bless you well well thank you and uh for people who may maybe had missed last show we had talked about uh, the chapter in my book, chapter 33, about the Nephilim Wars. And we covered the first part of it, and I wanted to do an extended one on that chapter tonight because the Nephilim Wars or the Raphaim Wars are so important for the understanding of what happens in the time of the Exodus and the time of the conquest. And that... Um, most people, unless they're doing the research themselves, they're not getting taught the context of what was happening at the time of the Exodus and that it opens up so many people to be misled, particularly by um, people outside the faith who are trying to seek doubt within the faith and that they tend to choose uh, the God of the Bible and the Israelites of slaughtering you know, these unarmed, peaceful um, nations that did not want to have war and, and or anything you know to do with the things that happened within the uh, the conquest of the covenant land. But that's not the real story. That's that's propaganda. That's revisionist history. You know, unless people are prepared with the information and ready for the information, it becomes easy prey, so to speak, to seed those seeds of doubt and 
you know, just sort of get you thinking on that maybe things aren't the way you thought they were, as you thought you were as God as a Christian, and that perhaps you should have another look at some of the other religions. So that's kind of how they like to work their way in. So we talked about last, the, the first year we talked about the Lord of the Amalekites before uh, they went to 40 years in the desert, and then we talked about uh, the Battle of Atherim, which was the first battle in Canaan with King Arad of of Canaan, and, that's in, and they went back to the Way of the Spies. That's the uh, name for Atherim, where that comes from, and that they fought the Rephaim king with with uh, Canaanite hybrids that we've talked about in the past, and then we talked about the march around Edom and Moab and Ammon and the nations who in Deuteronomy 2 were told actually drove out the giants and not all of Edom did but the parts that Israel was not permitted to cause any trouble with and to uh, leave alone was the, the nations who drove out the uh, the giants and so, yes, there was giants around Mount Seir and in that area with, where Eliphaz and Esau also married, intermarried into, but there's sort of two parts to that age, sort of eight, you know, is what I'm talking about. And we're going to start with the uh, with the, uh, the central campaign um, that happens after they do the march up. And we talked about last week about the eastern campaign um, where they fought the kings of the kings of uh, Sihon, who uh, he had close to 40 cities in his city-state. And typically these military city-states were set up in pentapolis organizational structures for how they did defense and offense. And you would have a capital city and a royal city of these pentapolis cities. Typically, there was five, except some of the great ones like Sihon and Og, they had many more. And so you, know, you count over 30 cities that Sihon had. And they, they ruled from these fortresses, these castles that had walls that went up to the heavens, as they're described. So very, very tall, thick walls. And so if they were not successful on the battlefield, then they would go back into these mighty walled fortresses and feel safe behind those walls. And Israel defeats Sihon rather easily, and then they go on to King Og, and Og has 60 cities. Uh, his center is in, in Adre, and he rushes out after being surprised at the fact that his ally, some, some accounts in Jewish tradition says his brother, uh, Sihon, uh, were defeated by the Israelites. So he rushes out as his ally and or kin, and he's a Rephaim king. He is that Sihon is a Rephaim king. These are the last of the original Rephaim kings that are produced after the flood. And so these are taller than the next generation, but maybe not as tall as the Nephilim that were before the flood. And so Og rushes out, and he is defeated as well. And this is one of the, you know, the great battles of 
of the covenant land, and they haven't even crossed into the land of the covenant yet that they're going to settle in. This is east of the Jordan River. But before that, they had to take care of business with the five kings of Midia, again, the five kings of the capital estate. They were allies with Sihon, and that's recorded in Joshua 13.21. And it's the, the Midianites who are causing trouble with stirring up other nations along with the Amalekites. They're causing uh, Israel to uh, go astray. They're using some kinship to make some inwards into Israel and, and see these types of uh, doubt and and to have them fall away. And so uh, Moses is going to take care of uh, Media and they're going to attack the five cities and capital estate and they're going to kill all five of those Medianite kings. And if people aren't familiar with the genealogies in the Bible, is Media is a country that is started through Abraham, just as you know the Edomites were an Abrahamic tribe, just as Moab and Ammon were sons of Lot, who was related to Abraham. And so you have Midia, who is the offspring of Abraham and Keturah, um, one of his concubines, and they start uh, a tribe of those people as well. And with that bloodline from Abraham, just as the other nations uh, who have bloodlines, they were always looking for opportunities to wipe Israel from the face of the earth so that they could inherit the, not only the Abrahamic blessings, but also the Noah blessings that were before that and all the blessings that came down through Adam that were inherited by Noah and then the blessings of uh, both Isaac and Jacob as well. So there's a significant amount of inheritance, including the land of the covenant, that would go along with uh, wiping Israel from the face of the earth, depending on who would inherit that um, because of the wiping out of, of, of Israel. And that would also include the Magianic blessings. So there's a lot of things that are going on that are at play uh, in these wars of the conquest. And now we're going to talk about after Israel crosses over the Jordan and after and after Moses dies. And so now you've got a new leader and they're crossing into the land of the covenant. And of course, um, there's a fabulous you know narrative about the actual parting of the Jordan River and the carrying of the Ark of the Covenant and the whole ceremony that went along with it to cross the land of the covenant. But now they're marching into, you know, the land of, of the, uh, you know, the land of the, let's call them giants, and because that's what they were. They're giants and and um, hybrid giants. So you have uh, a, a lot of things that are going to be thrown at Israel that even though they've had some experience, this is going to be a wall of opposition against Israel as they're marching in and as they carry on their campaign. And this is a group of people who are being trained in war, but they have their faith that has been forged, hopefully well enough to take on this task. There's always going to be a little bit of backsliding and things like that. 
but they're still up against nations that have these mighty fortresses. They're up against nations who have the high-tech uh, super weapons of the time. They have iron weapons, and they have iron chariots, and they have iron shields, and they have all of the best um, bows and the archers and the best training, and plus they're bigger, and there are many, many more of them than there are Israel. And Israel's trying to make weapons uh, in the desert and on the march, and they don't have these manufacturing facilities uh, or the ability to continue to manufacture as they're going on this generational war that they've started to take the land of the covenant back for as the land that was gifted to them by God to settle in that the giants settled knowing that that was going to happen from the pantheon of gods and were waiting in ambush for the nation to come in. So uh, Israel finally crosses the uh, crosses the uh, the Jordan River. So I want to give uh, a description of some of these giants and hybrid giants. And the, and the giants are nations like the Raphaim, they're nations like the Anakim, they're nations like the Perizim, they're nations like um, the Emim. These are nations that have uh, Raphaim as their kings, they have Raphaim as their nobility class, and they've created hybrid giants who are smaller than them but larger than the Israelites that are the uh, nations that settle the land with the giants, which are the Canaanites, and of course you have nine patriarchless nations there. And the reason for their patriarchs not being listed because they are Raphaim. You get Canaan, Sidon, and Heth listed, and, and, and the Sidon and Heth are the sons of Canaan, but you don't get the nine patriarchs uh, for the families, as they're called, because their patriarchs are Raphaim. This is where the hybrids come from. And you get the seven mighty nations that Israel is going to go up that uh, people might be familiar with. And these are the nations that we are talking about. And this word mighty and mightier that's used to describe them, as in uh, Deuteronomy 1 or 7 and 1, uh, mightier comes from the Hebrew word FM. And another word that's closely related to it, them, essentially pronounced the same word. One is a derivative of, of, of the other. And so what that word means is powerful and strong. But not just that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rooted in uh, 6106, and, and, and Ethem was 6105 for powerful and strong. And 6106 of the word of a similar sounding variety means strong bones and limbs because these had giants had limbs on them that were completely different engineering, just as Josephus describes them in his accounting of the time of the Exodus where they put these bones on display and they were on display even to his lifetime. And they were of a completely different kind of bone structure to support this kind of weight. And so they had these very, very strong bones. And it's rooted in, in, in these two words where you have bones and you have strong, you have strength. And then as you mix that together, and one of the definitions for 6105 at some is, is the ability to crush 
bones with their hands. That's how strong they were. They could literally reach out and grab an Israelite and crush their within their their hands. These were these weren't just taller than the Israelites. They were wider than the Israelites. And we've talked about it in the past. So even in the time of Goliath using a royal cubit, he'd be 11 feet 1 inches. And if you use a standard cubit, he'd be 9 feet 9 inches. Even on the smaller level, but Goliath was the king of Gath. And this was 400 years later. He would have been measured on a royal cubit, as Josephus uh, documented, so that would make him taller. And you also get a description with the giants, um, and this translation in the King James Version Bible is stout. And that's because they were not chubby, they were just wider and thicker than, than the Israelites, where the average human would have a three to one height to width ratio. These had two to one. So you see that height to the width ratio that's reflected in the bed that Og has, which is nine cubits long and about four cubits wide. And that's sort of that two to one or slightly greater of a height to width ratio that is accompanied with the word stout for the terrible ones, which is talking about the Rahim as well. So these were powerful kings. And in Psalms 135, uh, 16 and in Psalms 136, you get the mention of these mighty kings where these words go back to as well, not only in Deuteronomy, but in reflection in the times of, of, of David as well. And these were mighty kings like Sihon and Og, and also included in what's listed with those mighty kings were the Canaanite kings. And again, that is sort of underscoring that these kings were hybrids, uh, or the Canaanites were hybrids of the, uh, the Raphaim. Some of them may have had some uh, hybrid leadership, but most of them would have had Raphaim kings and, and leadership in the cities. But maybe in the smaller towns you would have had the hybrids uh, uh, showing, showing the leadership. And in Joshua 6.2, at the Battle of Jericho, you have... Um, a description of the giants that are going on here in the Jericho, they take on the king and the mighty men of valor that were within those walls. And that mighty men uh, of valor is goes back to a Hebrew word, uh, gibor, or gibberim is the, is the male plural. And that's the same term that's used to describe the Nephilim in Genesis 6-4, and it's typically a word that is used to describe giants. Not always. It can also describe God. It can also describe um, strength. It can describe a human. It can describe an angel, and it's used that way. It's 158 times it's used in the Old Testament, not always to describe giants, but many times to fight the giants. And so the Mighty Seven... Um, that were uh, listed that they're going up against, that they start to run up against in the central campaign are the Perizim, uh, which is a, a nation that does not have a patriarch in the Bible. They come out of nowhere. Uh, and, they, and this is a, a Rephaim tribe. Uh, the Amorites, 
which are the Canaanite tribe, Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all hybrid nations. But mixed amongst them, just as we talked about um, in previous shows and in the last show, you have the Anakim, and we're also going to be talking about the Anakim that are also intermixed with the Canaanites as we move on to uh, other parts of, of the Central Campaign. And so they take on the, uh, the great central nations. You have Jericho that's going to fall first. And it's done in a special ritual that's going to be assigned to all the nations of the land. Like you cannot stand against God and you cannot stand against God standing behind the Israelites. And they are going to take, take the, uh, the land of the covenant back and you should go. Uh, they choose not to, and so they move on to I, and the five city-states associated with the Amorite cities of Jericho and I. And then you have the battle of the, of, of the Gibeonite um, alliance as well, and the Gibeonites, part of them are going to get out of the city of Gibeon. These are the, uh, the Hivians. Uh, another tribe, and you also have Hivim hybrids that are also in the mix in the battle there as well. And so those are the Hivites that are likely talked about in the Mighty Seven, separate from the pure bloods of, of the of, of the Hivim. And but you're going to have some of these giants uh, of the Gibeonites who are Hivim. They are going to uh, say we're not going to take on. The Israelites, we saw what they did at Jericho and I and the other cities, and so they deceived Joshua into a treaty and become servants, actually temple servants, which are the name as they show up down the road in the book of, of, of Ezra and Esther. So, um, or, or Ezra, I'm sorry, not Esther. And so uh, just a sort of interesting thing that's not, you know, not all of the giants fought against them, and some of them actually will become servants within the temple. Absolutely a strange story. I have a document on that. Somebody wants to get, get a hold of me through my website. I'll, I'll send it to you. That's genesis6conspiracy.com, genesis6conspiracy.com. And so you have the central campaign where uh, Israel is expropriating and conquering all of the cities as, as they go along. And with the Gibeonites in rebellion, you're going to you have another city uh, alliance of cities that are going to go up against Israel and meet them in, in war. And Joshua defeats them um, rather easily as well. And from the central campaign, um, Oh, and, and, and just so that people understand, Gibeon is, is, is listed as a royal city. So that was the city center. So that's why it was such an abomination to the other giants and, and hybrid giants that a royal city was actually going to cower and surrender to Israel, which the rest of the, the giants weren't able to do. And a lot of people ask me in these battles, like, how did... How did Israel actually defeat them? And I think we have to be aware of that they're getting help from God. And he was quite specific um, in terms of how he was going to help them. Three times it's listed in the Old Testament that Israel is going to um, have these giants and their armies delivered up 
to them through hornets. And that's rather interesting that uh, God would use hornets against the giants. There's a theory out there that the giants have a hive mind, and um, maybe some of the listeners out there are familiar with this, but it's, it's, it's quite popular within the cult. It's kind of like the Borg mind that's allegorized in uh, Star Trek. And that with this sort of telepathy and communication and this single one-mindedness, they can work together to create and achieve an agenda. And so the hive mind comes from the idea of the bees, and the bees are, uh, you know, have one sort of mother queen as a mother goddess as, as part of the religion uh, of, of the giants, and that the bee is an allegory of, you know, that gets mixed into the coat of arms and it sometimes shows up as the fleur de lis. It's a stylized bee. Lily is important in their allegories as well, but it's this bee, this high mind and the bee allegory that's really, really important because hornets are the enemies of bees. And that I find it strange that you have this occult belief that comes down from the bloodlines with this hive mind that they believe still exists today amongst the bloodlines so that they can work towards the agenda of the end time that they've been trying to bring about for millennia after millennia. They'll finally get their way and we're probably getting close to that. But that it's the hornets that would break up this ability because they hunt down bees, and I think they might do something that is able to sort of penetrate this telepathy so that they couldn't communicate with each other. And not only were they being stung, and a hornet will give you a huge sting compared to a wasp in most cases, um, but it's also disrupting the communication, and I think the twofold effect absolutely caught the giants off guard and they were unable to carry out in their formations and do the things that they're being directed to do and started to panic. And in that state of panic, that's when they're served up for Israel for, for, for slaughter. So after that, they're, they're going to march back to, to their uh, base camp at Piegel, but they're not done yet. They've just sort of begun. This is this is going to take you know a generation, and they're still not going to get it all done. Such is the numbers of the giants and the power of the giants that this is going to take time. And God has also told them, Israel, that you're not going to get the whole land all at once because if you did, you're not numerous enough to populate it, and it's going to be overrun by wild animals. So. God is going to give them the victories as their population and their faith in God and their ability to follow instructions are going to dictate. So the next campaign that's going to come along is the Northern Campaign. And this is again made up of, and starts in, you know, in about Joshua 24 where you get some descriptions of the seven mighty nations again. So you're going to have these same nations that are up in the, the northern campaign. 
And again, that's the uh, that's the Hebrew word etsem for the mighty nations. So more more of these bone crushing giants in the north. And the same thing is is happening with the military states that they have. They have alliances. They're typically set up in the pentapolis uh, city state. That's five city states, um, and then those will be in alliance with another set of five city states, and so on and so forth. And there's a few different groups of these nations, and they don't they don't provide support to what's going on in the central campaign. Nor do they provide a lot of support, um, except for maybe some of the Hivim that were involved with uh, Sihan and Og. I think uh, they were like Og in this, where they thought that the other kingdoms could fairly easily handle this nation of puny-sized Israelites that uh, were going to try and take their land away because they looked at themselves as demigods and superior beings, and they were superior in terms of strength, but uh, they were not worshipping a superior god, which was their which was their downfall. And so we have the same groups of people that are up in the north. Some of them will have different sort of colloquial names in terms of, of the hybrids, that are in the central location, but essentially it's the same groups of Canaanites, just different tribes of the Canaanites uh, that are going to be up there. And there's one famous king up there that is going to rally uh, all of the northern kingdoms, and his name is Jabin. And he enlists uh, another famous king, Jobab of uh, 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 And Jabin rules from uh, the city of Hazor. And the Hazarim is a term that's associated with the Avim. And the Hazarim uh, means before time. And it sort of goes to the age. The Hazarim uh, were... Uh, Derives from, from the uh, the word chatzor or hatzor, um, as it would be pronounced in, in Hebrew, and that means castle and high wall fortresses. So you've got these high wall fortresses from before time. So right from at least the beginning of the flood, because they were the Aboriginals, and maybe they even rebuilt on uh, cities that were occupied and built by the, the Nephilim before the flood. But these these were ancient kingdoms. These were the aboriginals and, and, and since the flood as, as, as a minimum. And Jabin is the strongest uh, king of the north and the strongest alliance. And he sees the utter destruction that has happened across the east side of the Jordan River and now into the central part of, of the land of the covenant. And so he sends out messengers to all of the northern kings, all of the Raphaim kings, and uh, to assemble a great alliance of, of nations. And they're going to bring all of these, these nations together and they're going to march on Joshua's army. And, and, and Joshua gets word of this and he's going to march north from Gilgal. And they're actually going to meet at a place called Merom. And this is uh, 
this is one of the most epic battles that is going to take place that has ever taken place against the greatest of odds. Not that it wasn't great odds for any of the battles that Israel fought, but this one with the size of the alliance, the number of kings, the number of city-states, um, and the size of the army is second to none in any of the battles that, that they fought at any one time. And Jabin's um, pentapolis cities was made up of Hazor and uh, Hazor Gada uh, and Hazor Shual and Anhazor and, and Hezron. And there's a few other names of those cities that are like that in the south because, again, this was part of the whole military state uh, that the Abin um, had created. And we see that etymology of the word and the same use of the word that's up in the north with, with, with Hazer and Jabin of, of, of Hazer. And this is going to be the same military strategy that's going to be passed on to the Philistines that um, are in Gaza at that time. And, of course, the Philistines have a five-city-state pentapolis as well. And they have what I uh, described as a mice um, network of metabolist city-states and villages that make up their military defensive network. And this is the same uh, network that, that's in, in the north. And so uh, you have this great battle, and they're going to meet at the Battle of Moron. And Joshua easily wins again. So the only way that you can sort of rationalize this is have the hornets and you have anything else that God is bringing to bear to help deliver up these giants and hybrid giants for slaughter. And they chase them all the way back into their home cities all throughout the north. So not only do they win the battle, but now they've got to go back in through each of the cities, just as they did with all of the cities against Og and Sihon and Media, just as they did against all of the cities in the central campaign, they're going to do the same thing. They don't destroy all of these cities, but they do some of the most important ones. So, for example, Hazor is, of, of Jabin is going to be uh, destroyed because that's the epicenter of the resistance in the, in the north. And so this is probably one of the greatest battles not taught in, in uh, history just as all of these battles are. They're not taught in secular history because secular history is basically dominated by polytheist influences and they're not going to give credibility or honor um, anything that has to do with the God of the Bible. And so this gets ignored and unfortunately it gets ignored in our churches as well as this prophecy does. And so that's the Northern Campaign. And in, in the uh, after the northern campaign, Joshua is going to march back to Gedal again. That's their home city. That's where they made their base camp after they crossed the, the Jordan River. But they're not done yet because even though in the central campaign they had won all of their battles, not all the giants were killed. And this is the region in the south of the Anakim in particular, and the Perizim. And this is a battle, uh, a new campaign that's going to have to be fought because the Anakim have returned to the Hebron area. 
to the Kiriath Arbor area, they were turned to the mountains. And so I like to call this the mountain campaign. Um, and it's fought towards the end of Joshua's life, uh, which gives you an idea of how long it would have taken to, to conquer all of those cities and win all of those battles. Little by little, as Exodus 23, 29 talks about, that's how they're going to take it. That's what God said, and that's exactly how it was, was um, being performed, how it came about. And so in the mountain campaign, they're going to go um, to do battle in the mountains and in Hebron, as, as, what, we've, as what we've talked about. And Hebron is the city of Arba, and it's known alternatively as Kiriath Arba, Kiriath being meaning city and Arba being the patriarch of the Anakim giants. And uh, Caleb is going to, uh, in, in Joshua 15, we get the description of it, Caleb is going to drive out uh, the Anakim from the Hebron area for the second time. And what's amazing is it includes the kings Ahiman, Talmai, and Sheshai. And these are the three kings that were seen at the time of the scouts going into the land of the covenant, you know, well over 40 years because Israel spent 40 years in the desert, and this is after several campaigns. So they're still there. And in the central campaign, they went through Jerusalem in the Hebron area, and they drove the Anakim out. But what this tells you is the resiliency of the Anakim and the Amorites and the Jebusites that are with them that they have to continue the battle and return when Joshua is occupied in the north in the northern campaign. And so Caleb drives these three kings up, but he doesn't kill them. And that's going to come back in the book of Judges, and Caleb and, and Judah are going to have to deal with Ahiman, Talmai, and Sheshai again, because they're going to return in the age of the judges. And so in Joshua 1.12, um, after, after um, Joshua dies, Caleb's going to deal with them. We're going to come back to that in a second, uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes. So that's the first part of the campaign, is to go back into the south, into Jerusalem, and Hebron is just south of Jerusalem and into that south region, in the same part of the same area that the scouts, as we talked about, had, had spied on and given information on about these giants and the hybrids, the people that were taller than Israel but weren't the Anakim. And so he's going to march into the mountains now, into the mountains of Hebron, into the mountains of southern Canaan. And then this is this is not a easy place to march into. It is desert. It is rough terrain. And it's all the passes are going to be controlled by the giants as Joshua is marching into the mountains. And so the first city that we're told about that he's going to take on Joshua is the city 
of Debir. And Debir is not only a name of a very important city of the Anakim in the mountains, but it's also a name of an Amorite king. And so typically you have cities that are named patriarchally after a Raphaim king. And patronymically, that name is passed on. So just as Jabin has a patronymic descendant in the time of the Book of Judges, uh, as you know, descending probably from his bloodline, uh, from the, you know, the Jabin of the King of Hazor that is was leading the northern uh, um, giants that Joshua fought against, you have uh, the that name, that kind of name, whether or not it is uh, uh, Jabin or another name, they, they pass these names on to their descendants. It's like a title. It, it's like um, a gag of the Amalekites. And a gag is this, uh, in the Book of Numbers, is this giant king that is looks upon himself like a, a Magianic-type figure. Um, that is talked about at the time of the Amalekim War. And a gag name shows up in the time of King Saul. The Agagites in Persia are trying to destroy um, Judah at that time. This is a patronymic name that's passed on. And Agagite essentially you know, means uh, Amalekite. Um, and a gag is the root of that name and he was a very powerful giant king uh, at the time of the uh, of the uh, of the exodus or and before the wilderness so patronymic names and patriarchal names they will show up all throughout um, the old testament so you need to keep those names straight and understand there could be more more than one of them and it was just their tradition to to do that and the, the beer um, was formerly named just as Hebron um, is the latter name of the older name of Kiriath Arba. The beer is the latter name of the more ancient name that's called Kiriath Sefer. And what Kiriath means is city. So just as Kiriath Arba is the city of Arba. This is the city of Sefer. So one expects that Sefer would have been the name of another uh, Raphaim king, later named Debir after an Amorite king who would receive that patronymically from, from a Raphaim. And it means the ancient city of records, which is very, very interesting because this would have been a royal city. It would have been a capital and probably maybe the epicenter of the Anakim military state in the south. And it was the center for all of their records, all of their books, all of their arts, all of their history, all of whatever writings they had with any of the other nations, whether or not it would be Egypt, which the Egyptians were quite familiar with, the Anak kings, uh, and understood them as being demigods. Kings, and that understood that they ruled in the south uh, of the land of the covenant. They would have had their relationships written down with the various Canaanites. Um, but the beer is taken, and it's going to be completely destroyed. Uh, um, 
for somebody who's a researcher like myself, I would love to have some of those writings coming out of there that we could have uh, learned more about uh, these ancient giant peoples and their hybrid nations. But this was the city of records. And it was a city that was part of, again, a group of cities that Joshua is taking on within the mountains. And so we have uh, another city that's called Anab that Joshua is going to conquer within the mountains. And it's also known as uh, Kiriath-Sanah, S-A-N-N-A-H. And it's, uh, Sanah is known as the city of the grapes, or the city of the grape. And Anab is... Uh, located 18 miles south of Hebron. So you can see from a sort of geopolitical network the area that the Anakim were um, operating in, not only in the Hebron area, but into the mountains close by Hebron. And where the capital was, uh, seemingly was at Debir. So Hebron may not have been a capital, or Hebron may have had another four city-states around it as just part of their larger alliance. And this is interesting when you have sort of the connections to the word grape. And in Numbers 13, again, with the report coming back from the scouts that went into the land of Canaan, they went through Eskal, that was in the Hebron area. Uh, and there they collected these cluster of grapes that you're going to see pictures of in a lot of uh, depictions of um, uh, that accounting, and it would be on these big poles with these monster-sized clusters and these monstrous-sized grapes as they're depicted as they come down through history. Um, and so Eskal is part of this group of cities that is um, working with Anab and the beer that's being conquered. And Eskal is named Patroli after another Raphaim. And what's interesting is, is we get two chieftains in the time of Abraham in Genesis 14. Without coincidence, because nothing, any detail in the Bible is important and nothing is there coincidentally, this is the time of the War of the Giants. This is the time of Abraham having to rescue Lot from the victorious Mesopotamian giants who conquered all these giant nations and um, made them subservient and vassal states again because they had rebelled against them. And Lot is captured when the Pentapolis city-state of Sodom, Gomorrah, and the cities of the plain are captured, and Lot is taken off with them. And Abraham is going to rescue him, but he takes two Amorite chieftains, which would have been Rephaim kings, uh, of the Amorites, as we've discussed tonight in previous shows, and that is Eskal and Amamra. And they fight with Abraham uh, against these other giants. So there's an alliance that Abraham had as he lived in this Hebron area amongst all of these giants, and respect there that those giants would have had for Abraham, otherwise they would have killed him. Uh, but Abraham would have been protected by God, and that they came to, uh, many of them came to respect Abraham, and he held quite a great name. And I think we've covered off that in some shows previous as well. And so this is part of the 
uh, whole alliance that Joshua is and Caleb are taking out uh, in in the cleanup operations and the mopping up operations of the Anakim and uh, that are uh, hold, held out in the mountains and the ones who went back to uh, Hebron. And again, it's a testimony to how powerful the Anakim were. This is not war number one. This is campaign number two. And as I mentioned, they're going to show up again after Joshua dies and the tribe of Judah is going to have to take on uh, the Anakim. And in particular, in the Hebron area, the Kirath Arba area, so it's a very important city of the patriarch, you have Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai ruling again. This time, though, uh, Joshua, uh, I mean, uh, this time, though, um, people of Judah are going to kill those three kings, so they're not, they're not going to come back. And this is part of a battle that is going to start to kick off the age of the judges where the battles continue for a while. And after Joshua died, King Adonai Bezak rises to power in the mountains of Hebron, so that whole geopolitical, geographical area we were talking about just a couple of minutes ago. And they're going to have the Perizim with them as well as the Canaanites. So one presumes there's some remnant Anakin, there are the Perizim, which are also part of the Mighty Seven, and you have the Canaanite hybrids as well. And he's known as the thumb collector, so he would collect thumbs and toes of all of his victims, and he would hang them uh, and, and keep them around him. And... This is, the, the again, it's the, it's the second and probably the third campaign to wipe the Anakim and the Perizim that are with them at this point in time from, from the covenant land. The thing is, is they, they, the Israelites never complete the whole process of eliminating uh, the giants from the, the land of the covenant. Um, and Israel grows tired of perpetual war and they're looking for peace and so Gaza where the Avim are and the Philistines are and the Cherethim are and a whole another set of hybrids and giants uh, and some from a different variety ones that would have migrated from the island of Crete from the Indo-Aryans are settled in there and working in the alliance, and one of the cities is still an Anakim city. And so uh, you have Anakim, you have Abi, and then you have the Cretan, Philistine, Cherethim, Calusim alliance that is in the south that Israel is not going to take on until the time of King David. So as many wars as Israel fought, they're going to fight more wars all through the age of the judges that people aren't going to associate them with in terms of giants. Just as in the times of King Saul, he's going to revisit a war with the Amalekites. Just as King Saul is going to fight the Philistines. Just as King David is going to come along and he's going to have to finish off the Philistines. And just as David is going to 
to deal with the kings of Seir, the Edomites and the Horim of Seir, and the Hadad dynasties, not only south of Hebron, but the ones that are up in Syria. They're a co-reigning uh, dynasty in two different regions that David is going to have to deal with as the giant wars will continue. And so when we're talking about this size of history, we're talking about over 400 years to the time of the temple that's going to be built from the time of the start of the Exodus, that Israel is fighting to eliminate the giants from the land. And they never eliminate all of the people there. And there will be bloodlines of the giants, there will be bloodlines of the hybrids, and these are the people that are going to cause Israel to fall back into polytheism all throughout the time of the judges, all throughout the time of the monarchy, uh, which will lead them to um, apocalyptic uh, events like the uh, conquering of northern of the northern empire of Israel and dispersing them to the four winds into slavery around the world. Just as Judah, the southern kingdom, will be conquered by Babylon uh, and then will be uh, conquered again by, by the Romans. This backsliding into polytheism and away from their scripture that is going to continually get them into, into, into trouble. But I just find it so amazing that none of this is, is taught within the churches. Uh, for the most part. Some some churches do, but most do not. And if you're belonging to a church that does not teach this, um, you're open to having people throw those wedges in. Uh, the context here of uh, the conquest of the covenant land, the Rephaim Wars, was not to start a war and steal the land of people who were defenseless. It was about taking the land that was squatted by the giants, land that was gifted to them from Israel, and it was about if they didn't do it, and if they didn't fight the giants, the giants would have wiped them from the face of the earth. They were sworn in an oath to do so, as recorded in the book of Psalms, and they would have continued to Israel was wiped from the face of the earth. And then nations, whether or not it would be the, uh, the Amalekites or the Edomites or the Midianites, would have been scrambling to inherit blessings. So there was a, an internal sort of reward for, for that to happen, but it would eliminate monotheism from the face of the earth. And that was the real goal. So the next time you're listening to stories of the Exodus, try to put a little bit of context in mind in terms of the people that are being talked about and what Israel was going to have to go up against. And that the faith to be able to do that, to go up against these kinds of countries with these kinds of giants it would have been incredible and then to do it for generations uh, it was truly amazing um, they didn't get to the level that they needed to but they did a lot and, and I think it's one of those things that we need to totally understand if we want to understand history if we want to understand prophecy we need to understand this history so the Nephilim Wars, as I like to call it, probably more accurately, the Rephaim Wars uh, of, of the conquest, 
to me is one of the most fascinating part of the Bible. And knowing that it overlaps into the time of King David, King Solomon, and into the beast empires that are going to be driving world history with the understanding that we have two more beast kingdoms to come, the seventh and the eighth of the Antichrist. So that's my presentation on the Raphaim Wars to give a little bit more context to um, what the Exodus was all about and uh, hoping that people like what I talked about. And if you want more information on these wars, I have uh, a series of documents on these campaigns that uh, I can send you if you get a hold of me through my website at the Genesis6Conspiracy.com. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That was awesome. As always, and, um, you know, Brother Gary, uh, the work I have, I've actually bought your book for a couple of people and I've gotten incredible feedback. They didn't know about any of these things. And to have, like, you know, total newbies, you know, to to this information, dig into the book (laughs) and actually, you know, literally ripped it apart. One guy told me, he said, "I, I read that whole book in less than a week. He goes, that was absolutely amazing. And, um, so anyway, um, you know, I'm, you know, we're we're all humbled to have you join us again. Um, that's uh, your website again is Genesis6Conspiracy.com, right? It is. And, okay, uh, and and that's the on number the website, six, I right? Generous excerpts of all 98 chapters and the number that's six. That's awesome. And if yep, people and, wanted and to and get it a copy, the number six. The book, okay. Yep, they can get it from the website. Yep. Yep. It is. Yep. That's fantastic. Well, thank you again for joining us tonight, Brother Gary. God bless you. We're looking at uh, getting more things fixed here on the radio show, so I'm not fumbling so much. But um, uh, hopefully that will be all fixed up by the time we bring it back on again. We're looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us, and hopefully I don't get hit by any more lightning bolts. <laughs> but anyway, have a great evening. Thank yeah, no you. Kidding. God bless no you. No kidding. Stay away, from, stay away from the White House then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, right? I know. I felt lucky after seeing that. All right, praise yeah. God, thank you, Jesus. So anyway, um, <laughs> and thank you, Brother Gary. Um, and uh, he, just for those who may want to hang out a little bit longer, I'm going to admit I'm I'm exhausted, um, but I have every reason to be because you know rebuilding this office was way you know I'm a guy I'm a guy I don't do spring cleaning, so that means that uh, when I'm rerunning wires and cables, I've got a wash everything down and use like a dust buster and you know it's humongous amount of work just absolutely i i, I was so exhausted i thought i was going to drop, drop over <laughs> and that was just saturday so then when i woke up this morning you know having gotten up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down an endless amount of times i mean standing on the ground on your stomach standing on the ground on your stomach and back and forth you don't realize what kind of exercise that is but when you're over 60 and you're you know, fit, you know, pushing 50 pounds overweight, which I still haven't lost the pandemic, 35, whatever. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 boy, it's hard. It's real, real hard. So uh, when I got up this morning, I realized how hard it was and how sore I was. So, but um, it, it, the system has come a long way. I just am right now searching for articles on the internet that explain why the mixer USB is not feeding into the blog talk radio system, blah, 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 trying to find somebody to configure that out. You know, you got to kind of do it on your own. Uh, so I'll, I will continue to keep praying. James chapter 1, verse 5, anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given them. 
And I don't even bother with the last part of that, that particular scripture because, you know what, I don't want to even about not having faith. I know that my father is going to give me the answer. I just have to wait and keep on praising. That's the, that's the key. And, um, and it's very, very hard to do. Praise God. All right. So anyway, on that note, uh, let's go ahead and um, uh, hold on a second. Let me see if I can find this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I want my sound effects, and I want my cake, and I want to eat it too. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, let's move on. China storms a beach near Taiwan and vows to fight to the death. Of course, everybody's like going, oh, my gosh, this is World War III, World War III. This is saber rattling. And we talked about that earlier. Praise God. Next one up. China fires missiles near Taiwan and live fire drills as the PLA encircles the island. So, again, you know, there are a lot of reports. They, people of the world are being programmed right now for World War III. Eventually, they're going to get it. But the question I have is, what happens at the midterms? Because that's, that's the turning point. Nothing happens If nothing happens at the midterms and power of the United States government gets turned over to the Republicans, it's going to be absolutely devastating to the Global Reset 2.0 WEF New World Order plan. Now, does that stop them from causing the civil war with Trump, you know, potentially being taken out? According to so many prophecies, dreams, and visions from way, way, way back when, um, you know, it, it, it could set things back. We could have two years of, you know, crazy government fighting and a lot of things reversed, a lot of – but it, I don't think it really changes – the grand scheme of the biblical timeline outcome is still in play. That's the praise Jesus part of the story. So even if we have to, you know, because here's the thing. We're, we may be in the midst of the third seal, which I would submit we probably are. But to this day, none of the um, predictions by this, for example, the one that I like to hold up vividly, is the prediction of the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. Who more qualified? More qualified than the Fed to come out and announce that we are heading into a financial hurricane. Praise God. So that financial hurricane, and then, of course, we see the BRICS nations getting bigger and bigger. I forget, Armenia, I said, just they, they just said they were going to join the BRICS nations. So that financial um, eradication of the use of the petrodollar, which is essentially the American dollar, is all part of it. You know, we're seeing the food price increases. We have been for quite some time, but not on the level that we're seeing them right now. There are bare shelves in different parts of the world, more so than other parts, but it's happening. We know that the farm uh, food processing facilities so many of them, I think in the last look it was around 100, probably way more by now, are being burnt to the ground. And, like, my suspicion was that they were being kind of offered to be taken over by, like, you know, the Gates Foundation, and they said no. And just like any other, uh, you know, soprano uh, Sicilian 
you know, organized crime family, they burnt the thing down. If you aren't going to sell it to me, then you're not going to have it either. So that's just a guess. Or they could just be flat out burning them down. Um, you know, again, uh, next next headline, praise God, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Where is that? Where is that? Where is that? Right. I don't, uh, yep, 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 yep. Ooh, I got, <laughs> there's the, uh, the um, crazy, wait a minute, I'm going to have to, one thing about this, computers, I am going to definitely have to tell the cursor to be like three times bigger than it is, because I can't find that thing. My eyes are too aged. White House summons Chinese ambassador as crisis escalates. (laughs) I can see that phone call taking place right now. Hey, man, I'm summoning you. You need to get over here right now. Ni hao you need to get over here right now. Me and moi. Because even even the ambassadors that are inside the consulates and stuff, they they're technically on Chinese land. So nobody summons nobody to do nothing. It's just a ridiculous headline. Another headline from Russia today. It says China ignores phone calls from the Pentagon, according to Politico. Okay. That sounds like a bunch of, you know, oh, no, everybody be scared. This is the beginning of a war. They're cutting off communications. The missiles are going to fly any second now. Really? I think there's a lot more stuff that's got to stack up first. You know, I just don't see that being a trigger event. I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Matter of fact, there's not one, to the best of my understanding, not one prophecy, not one vision, and not one dream from any person and if there's one that came out recently, like, you know, within the last year or whatever, I'm not even so sure I would trust it very much. You know, I'm not going to get into all the reasons. But over the last, what, 80 to 100 years, you would think somebody somewhere would have seen something or heard something about China starting World War III, <clears throat> maybe even mentioning Taiwan. But there isn't anything. Again, I, I, there's, you know, correlation is what it's all about. Look, you know, everything is not going to be in the Bible. Everything is true. Everything's in the Bible is true, but everything is going to happen. Everything that, that, that is true is not in the Bible, obviously. All right, praise God. So I don't know. I, I don't, I'm, I'm holding off on this one. Praise Jesus. All right, next one here. Two gunmen saw it after shooting rampage. Wounds nine outside of Cincinnati Bar in the Rhine District. Okay, Cincinnati bar, pretty unusual. If that had happened in Chicago, I don't think I would even have mentioned it. Praise Jesus, hallelujah. All right, next one up. Four more cargo ships leave Ukrainian ports. What in the world are those gigantic Maersk-sized liners doing in the Ukraine in the first place? They're They're getting wheat. They're getting sunflower seeds. They're getting corn. They're getting oil. The Russians even announced, we plan to ensure the ability of ports, I'm reading this directly out of the article, we plan to ensure the ability of ports to handle at least 100 vessels per month in the near future. All right? This first group of vessels, these giant liners, are heading with oil, grain, sunflower seeds, corn, to Turkey. But Turkey has basically said, you know, get lost to the Antichrist. 
and the World Economic Forum. So they're kind of like riding a tightrope a little bit. They're, they're playing both sides of the, of the game. All right, and it, it's interesting though, but, but it, there's clearly no indication whatsoever that Russia is holding back on offering as much grain, as much power, as much uh, liquid natural gas, as, mu- as much of whatever the world needs. Okay, but it's all over the news, but you have to hunt it down because you're never going to talk about it on the mainstream media. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Ukrainian grain flowing to the global markets, this report says. Three ships carrying corn have left the country's ports. This is, again, talking about the same uh, thing as the last one. Kiev accused Russia of barring civilian ships from leaving while Moscow blamed Ukraine, saying it had placed key mines near its ports. Who do you believe? I know who I believe because I see the evidence. All I ever hear is blather and see Nazi swastikas, liars, the, the whole thing. I, you know, like I said, I don't like Putin. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like how they run their – I just think it's not okay the way they run their criminal justice system. But, all right, on the flip side of the, the, the coin, they're you know, here they are in a global dynamic offering the whole food. People are start. I mean, people have been starving in Africa for a long time, but nothing like what's happening right now. Okay, it is absolutely beyond devastating. There are countries right now that haven't been starving for a long – Kenya has been in pretty good shape. Uh, you know, granted, as, as far as any African country can be, uh, for a long time. And now there are food – fantastic, exceedingly dangerous food shortages all over Africa. And they, ha- they are, of course, the first ones to take the hit. Now, all these, you know, so-called talking heads, all these so-called experts like the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, et cetera, that have been saying, you know, the first couple of weeks of August are going to be hell on earth, uh, you know, the, expect, you know, a hurricane-like collapse, something like, you know, just a, just a my gosh, a portfolio of ugly was supposed to hit uh, in the first couple of weeks of August. And, again, we are beginning the second week of August and nothing. Okay, I don't know what's going on, but it yeah, the intensity definitely appears, you know, to be getting you know infinitely worse all the time. But again, there's 11 years of nothing happening, so you know, it's like I I I just don't think we're gonna see it. You know, this this notion that someone's gonna grab a microphone. And make an announcement that, you know, tomorrow we are starting World War III. I just, it's just not going to go down like that. All right. Are, are, are all the, 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 you know, the, the pieces of the risk board in place right now? The answer is absolutely yes, they are. But I have said that at least, I don't know, probably 30 times, maybe 100 um, in the last 11 years. Because I used to joke around with Kenneth in the early days of the program on a regular basis about how the board, the risk board of World War III is lined up perfectly for everything to explode. Um, you know, the, the, um, ah, it's, it's just endless that the amount of things that should have triggered all heck to break loose on a global end times apocalyptic level. Look, the scientists that 
are supposedly experts on the, this whole concept of a doomsday clock. I mean, they're running out of space for that big, that hour hand. I don't know if you noticed it, but pretty soon they're going to be like, uh, we're 13 nanoseconds from nuclear. No, 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 no. It's 12 nanoseconds now. You know, it's like, I'm with you. All right, don't get me wrong. I'm with you. A, I want to get out of here like 10 years ago. B, the very idea of waking up tomorrow and going to work is enough to make me want to rip my spleen out with a shrimp fork. I got to deal with a lot of stress, too. Plus, they're laying people off, so I do appreciate your prayers. I heard some bad news, supposedly some people pretty close to me, whatever, in my department, that kind of thing. So, anyway, we'll see. It's God's will, you know. I can always fold all this stuff up and sell it at a sell it out in the parking lot and go live at my sister's house and do the show from my little 13-inch XPS Dell laptop, you know, with a with a with a headset. Praise God! But you know what? Um, I don't know. I'm just I I know it's really really close. I've mentioned many times that we could have you know some type of a Kent State like event. Um, I'm not talking about just somebody pulling a trigger on the gun, but it would have to be pretty huge. When what's going on with the whole monkeypox thing? You know, know, we know it's contrived. We know it's controlled. We know that there's already information that's coming out of, you know, expert sources that have been digging on, on research about Wuhan and everything else under the sun. And now there's additional information coming out, again, probably unvalidated, not sure, that suggests the monkeypox that they're dealing with right now was also a gain-of-function bioweapon attack against mankind, which, by the way, would change all of the characteristics, not necessarily all, but a lot of the characteristics of how it spreads, how, how painful it might be, all that kind of stuff. Of course, that's going to, right after the, after the last event, it's going to, of course, everybody that's wearing, like, three masks everywhere they go, uh, you know, inside their, their cars with the windows up and the air conditioning running, you know, that's what we're dealing with here. And it's scary, it's scary to know that you're around people who are that irrational, that they, they, they're standing in line with you at the store, they're at the gas station with you. This is very unnerving. How many of these people have weapons in their cars? These people are being allowed to vote. You know, the, 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 these people, if you were to do a, a mental psychological evaluation on the vast majority of the people that live in the United States of America, then we need to, like, well, we need another Australia, except Australia is all full, filled up with people now. We need some island where we can send these people away to. But anyway, it's never going to happen. It's absolutely horrifying, horrifying to see, um, uh, you know, and to experience and to be around People that are acting the way that they're acting, we see it every day in our streets. We see it, you know. I, I, you know, I told you about what the conversation I had with the UPS lady, and she said the same thing. She said, "When I'm off work, I don't leave my house." That's why I told her. I, I, I said, "Yep, I'm a, I'm a hybrid agoraphobic, you know. Hybrid meaning that if my work makes me go do it, well, then what am I going to do, right? Praise God. Well, anyway, thank you, Jesus. We're getting closer. We just don't know, but I'm still thinking." that based on the Holy Bible, you know, the third seal says don't harm the oil or the wine at the very end. Well, we're not at the end of the third seal by any stretch. Could something happen that would cause us to be come to the end of the third seal super-duper fast? Absolutely. 
Could it be a cyber attack against you? Know, the grid goes down, the banks go down, everything stops moving. The whole thing's, it's a, the whole world shuts down. It's pandemonium. It's, it's, um, it's roving bands of rapists and murders and people with guns. It's just like a post-apocalyptic uh, movie on TV, and it's going to be absolutely more horrible than words can describe. And our protection comes from us getting on our knees and making sure we don't have any of those weapons around. Because if you put your faith in a weapon instead of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you forfeit the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't get to keep them both. You don't get to keep them both. The Lord told me I had to throw away even my pepper spray and my stun gun that I kept around after the big incident that I went through and almost got killed. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next headline up. Glory be to God. Okay, once again, out of Russia, it says, the United States approves resolution urging Blinken to label Russia as a... You ready for this one? State sponsor of terrorism. Boy, does that open up a can of worms and like another thousand more opportunities for them to incredibly antagonize Russia, as if they're not already antagonized to, to the, to, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, we used to talk, Robert Vandrius Mitchell and myself used to talk on this program real regularly about how we could not believe that Putin restrained himself for as long as he did while, while, you know, the Antichrist and Biden and all these other entities that are part of the WEF and stuff that are trying to, you know, collapse the global dollar, create a new one world government, you know, lead us to getting, uh, you know, a mark on our hands and all this other weirdness, you know, which, of course, I, I believe with all of my heart that the, the, the barley harvest bride will not be here for, praise God. And that's what we all need to be striving for. You know, we've got to be striving for that. And that, that is as close to being as sin-free as you can possibly be, utterly in love with your father, adoring your time in the early morning or at night or whenever to be in the secret place of the Most High, to make our Father, bar none, the most important thing in your life, Jesus the most important thing in your life, more important than your kids, your mom, your dad, everything. That is where you have to be. You've also got to be productive. You know, pray. Turn your time, your spare time, into prayer ministry time. Prayer ministry time is far more powerful and saves more souls than any megaphone by a street preacher. Think about it. All right. We call down heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. And like Charles Spurgeon said, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Just don't be a meathead and start doubting things. You always follow it up with praise, 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 praise you, Jesus. You don't even let the thought enter your mind. Hold every thought in captivity to the obedience of Christ. Don't let the thought enter your mind that this is taking too long or maybe the Lord didn't hear me. That is the devil. Praise because you know you are going to receive. Hallelujah. Next headline up. United States Senate approves, um, oh, no, 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 monkeypox. Okay, so we got to um, go on with the monkeypox. Wait until we see where this Monkeypox is related to, listen to this, the mRNA vaccine claims a top Israeli physician. I'll read that again. Monkeypox is related 
to the mRNA vaccine, claims the top Israeli physician. By the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but Israel has some of the best, the world's very best intelligence personnel in their military and also the world's very best scientists. So whenever I see anything coming out of Israel from a technology company, from an intelligence agency like the Mossad, or from their medical uh, experts, I stop, drop, and I listen very carefully. So if they make this claim, I consider it to be absolute fact. Praise God, thank you, Jesus, which, by the way, is very unnerving and can only mean that not only was this planned, and they probably plan, I probably, if my guess is correct, they probably have about a dozen, including smallpox, which is horrible and much more deadly than monkeypox. Monkeypox is like a really awful version of the chickenpox, except that they dork with it. Probably total gain of function, the whole deal, which is why it, it resembles, you know, the uh, it has some similarities to um, the, the various bioweapon contagion that was in, you know, the COVID-19. They now call it long COVID, uh, which is just another name for the really horrible version of it, uh, you know, oh, and the va- vaccines. Okay, so, so it's like one big test pull of evil scientists coming up with a whole portfolio, a giant queue of deadly diseases that they are just going to roll at us one after the other. And you know what? When they were coming out and saying, well, there ain't going to be no going back to the old norm. There ain't going to be this is the new norm. This is the new norm. You know, and I'm like, well, so far, so far it appears that is the case. Um, you know, I, you know, we were all expecting them to come out with something else, but I'm going to perfectly frank. I'd never imagine it would be donkey pox. Donkey pox is a dig for those of you who are listening from other, uh, uh, countries outside of Babylon the Great. Um, that's, uh, donkey is a reference to, <laughs> it's the symbol of the democratic party in here in Babylon the Great. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Next up, San Francisco, New York, declare health emergencies over the donkeypox outbreak. Another exceptional deluge slams the United States as up to a foot of rain in less than 12 hours floods Illinois. Well, that's alongside of them. They actually, I can't believe they put Aloha Akbar in the actual headline. You meatheads. You need to be like, oh, whatever. Where, where's, you know, anonymous hack group when you need them? Anyway, the headline is at least 559 killed in floods across Pakistan since mid-June during the wettest monsoon in decades. In decades. All right, the next headline uh, is from the Watchers website. Major flash flooding hits Death Valley. Death Valley. Death Valley. This is where people are supposed to be like crying for food, for water, you know, dragging their bodies for 30 miles looking for anything to, to drink, you know, a, a little bit of rain on a on a leaf. <laughs> and the headline is major flash flooding hits Death Valley after nearly a year's worth of rain in a couple of hours in Death Valley. 
Another headline. At least 22 dead, many missing after rivers burst banks in Uganda's Mbale district. So I guess, you know, the why so many? Well, I just wanted to – these started popping up recently. These are not just floods. These are really – and then you got the whole Kansas one and all that, and it's wiping out farmland and plant cycles on top of the – intentional arsons and burning down of the food processing facilities, the intentional poisoning of over 10,000 cattle. Of course, that's the tip of the iceberg because it's far, far worse than that. We never hear anything but about probably 2% of what's really going on. And so, again, but, 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 we need to hit, it has to hit home. Something big has to happen before the midterm. And if it doesn't, well, and we just got to keep on praying and being ready and try not to let our hair catch on fire from all the, you know, Christians that mean well but aren't hearing very well on YouTube or the Internet or whatever. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And and that's, you know, hey, it's all right. At least they're trying. I'm not picking on them, but we do have to be – we have to do what the Bible says. In in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe it is, either 14 or 15. I have to look it up again. But anyway, it says – you know, we are to judge the prophecies, not the prophets. And Paul even goes on to say, hey, don't despise the prophets. Well, why would Paul say not to despise the prophets if he didn't have a good reason to despise the prophets? Right? All right. So anyway, so, um, you know, and I don't take that position. I still probe a little bit here and there, but I do it with very skeptical, squinty eyes right now. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And some... Some some of them have been getting pretty close to, you know, batting a thousand um, lately. Close, okay. But anyway, I'm not going to get into this big long analysis of all the prophets thing. I praise Jesus, Hallelujah, thank you, Father. Next one up, Here we go. Crazy grapefruit-sized hail smashes cars in parts of Alberta, Canada, ter- with terrifying videos and pictures. And in this case, they have a um, a square. Uh, in inches, and looks like the other side might be centimeters, and to show uh, people the actual size of them. Uh, they're not joking. <laughs> they are grapefruit size. So that's uh, that's setting a new record, and we know that what Revelation says about how big they get, which is like hard to even imagine. Praise God. Another headline out of TASS, which is one of the leading internal news agencies to Russia. They don't do much on the X outside of Russia, like Russia Today and Sputnik. Uh, and they report that Turkey and Russia have agreed to trade in rubles. So, once again, just another major country, major purchaser, um, basically moving in the directions of BRICS. I mean, really, if, he's, if they're going to be operating in rubles, if Turkey's going to be operating in rubles, then essentially they are, you know, de facto, uh, essentially joining the BRICS, you know, consortium. Um, and then again, Armenia is queued up too. Uh, so it's getting – we're getting closer. This, these are all things that would have to take place. Oh, you know, I would think they would have happened faster. I mean, of course, my mind always thinks – when I read something in the Bible, I read like these two sentences, and my brain, you know, goes right to Burger King, 
you know, I, I think I'm driving up to a drive through window, and it's all just going to get handed out of the drive through window at one time. The whole world's going to come to an end. Somebody's going to pull a big red lever. It's all going to be over, and we're going to be out of here. And you know what? I want that to happen more than anybody. I guarantee it. I, I would do almost anything. And I say almost because, you know, I'm certainly not going to do anything that's going to upset the Lord. I want to make the first flight to flight of Philadelphia out of here. Okay, when that ship leaves the port, I want to be waving on that bad boy and saying, see y'all, wish you could come with us, tried to warn you, but we need to make sure we are doing everything we can now because, folks, we are definitely really, really close. Really, really, really close. I mean, really, when you think about it, that that the quipping and the tongue-in-cheek joking that Kenneth and I did 10 years ago about the the board, the risk board of global war being all lined up and ready to go, we weren't kidding. It was. How amazing it is that here we are 10 years later, and it's way, way worse. Way worse. And here we still sit. Now, you know something? I'll be perfectly frank with you. Uh, you know, ask, Not that I am never am. I always am. And I do that on purpose. Um, when the show was down, I had people, a lot of very kind people, email me and tell me that, um, you know, in so many words, they, they needed me to be on the air. Maybe different words that they used, but that's what they were saying. It was very touching. There's, and I can see where, I could see where that, that, I, that I, I can relate to that. Because you know what? I missed being on the air. Now, I sorely missed a fully operational <laughs> radio studio. Um, talking to you through my cell phone over a little headset kind of sucks blue. you got to go to the Philippines and listen for the little kids carrying the baskets going, balut, and look up what a balut is, B-A-L-U-T, and you will understand how bad it is to suck balut. Matter of fact, most normal people would never consider it. But here we are. We're stuck. Like I told the one guy, I had a, a, one of the guys that I work with, he's an awesome guy, he's super Christian. I didn't think there was any way that anybody in my company, even if, this is just like a mini miracle. In a company with over 3,000 people working in it, what are the odds that my boss would come, he actually said this, this is a different guy, would come to me and tell me, I want you to go to this client site and meet this guy. I just hired him as you know, a you know, a certain level, higher than me, much higher. And he said, teach him, you know, the blankety blank way, how we do things and stuff. Turns out, that, well, first off, it's never happened to me before in my entire life. Second off, the odds that it would happen at all with 3,000 people are like, what, one in a quadrillion? And then later turns out to be this guy's like a super Christian, you know? Um, but, you know, I mean, we have so much. And now he did not see us being as far along in the Bible as we were. So in the, initially he was much more skeptical. But when I started feeding him information that he wasn't privy to, as we do on this program, he awakened. And now he he doesn't dispute it at all. And this guy is like incredibly intelligent. You know, really super-duper incredibly smart. Um, you know, advanced scientific 
you know, PhD kind of stuff. All right, praise God. But the odds that, that I, I don't know, him and I would become friends. And he called me up and he said to me, I'm going to just be perfectly frank with you. When I say perfectly frank, full disclosure, I won't leave anything out. But he, but he calls me up on, on Zoom or something like that, and he's like, you know, we, we had a meeting scheduled, but we, it got sidetracked. And he's like, you know, I've really been thinking about you a lot lately. Um, and he goes, you can't keep on going like you're going. You know, you need to expand your horizons a little bit. You need to have more social interaction in your life, more humans around you. You know, you need to go on a real vacation. That's what he said to me, go on a real vacation. I told him, where am I going to go on a real vacation to? And who am I going to go with? And every time I answer, asked him a question, he had no answer. Well, then maybe you should go try a church. I, I already did many times. And here's what happened. So then I had somebody else ask me. I forget who it was. They said, do you think that this was God's plan for you? Even though there are psychiatrists out there that would argue that it is clinically dangerous to be so cut off from human interaction. You know, because there is a big difference. A lot of people don't know this, but if but if you're like me, and a lot of the listeners of the show are, not only were we kicked off of the Island of Misfit Toys by King Moonracer, but we're floating around in the middle of the North Atlantic on, on some kind of a little piece of ice. And that's lonely. And it doesn't matter if you have a husband or kids in the house or whatever. If you can't talk to them about these things that we're talking about on this program, then you're floating around on a little piece of ice in the middle of North Atlantic. The only thing you can see is stars and maybe a hint of another iceberg at night. Um, but it is hard. It's fantastically hard. It's unbelievably difficult. In fact, it's psychologically unhealthy and um, that's why it is so critical the blessing of it if there is one which there is there always is first Titus 115 to the pure all things are pure to me what that means is you got to figure it out it's a puzzle and when you recognize the blessing even though it, you still got to put down some balloons, it's a pretty big blessing. Think about the millions and millions of Christians that are across the world right now, and I'm talking about some pretty good ones. Not, I'm not talking about the really crummy ones. I'm talking about millions and millions of pretty good ones in different countries. The vast majority of them have no idea what we talk about on this show. The vast majority are, are listening to mass media. They're following the dialogue, the narrative. The, the closest they come to getting any outside information is maybe a news report from CBN. They don't know. And if they're from the Baby Boomer One group, which is the ones that are, you know, more like 65 years old and older, if they, there's a really good chance that they haven't woke up past the point of knowing that there's apocryphal books and the understanding that the UFO phenomenon is for them, you know, it's simple enough for them to say, hey, they're fallen angels. And that's fine. Let them, if you can get them that far, you've already won the, you know, half, don't even try to explain to them the really advanced stuff because it'll just, 
it'll call into question your credibility in their minds because they don't get it. Their their heart, their mind, their spirit, it their soul, it just can't expand that far. It is past their horizon of understanding. That's why Jesus said, if you can receive it. That's why Jesus yelled to the multitudes, if you don't eat my body and drink of my blood, you can have follow after me. And they all said, oh, we're out of here. Jesus was filtering people out. He knows there's going to be gazillions of people that try to call him Lord, but don't have the spiritual acuity, the capacity, and the things that he needs, the ingredients that he needs for them to rule and reign with him. And a lot of Christians are not going to have a meter, but he'll, they'll, out of God's mercy, they will be allowed to go to heaven. But they'll be marked, ultimately, not marked, I don't like that term, but they will be the disobedient Christians, and you know they'll be cast into the outer darkness, which is a very broad term. You know, it's a very broad term. Uh, referring to uh, being forced to stay outside of King, you know, um, uh, Mount Zion, where the city of the living God is, our Heavenly Father, and all the apostles and the city mansions and all the where the light is, you know, 24 by 7. There's no shadowy areas. If you look up the word uh, outer darkness, what you will discover rapidly, if you do some digging, is it simply means the shadowy area. Well, the glory of God is not down amidst the uh, Thomas Kincaid country mansions. And if you go out even further, you know, because, you know, you, you have like death row people that gave, you know, somebody goes in and, you know, and they give and they're sincere and then and, and they repent and they give, you know, they, they cry and they tell the Lord, I'm sorry. And they mean it just like the, you know, the, um, just like the uh, the thief on the cross, you know, I, people make hold up the thief on the cross as an example of, um, you know, how merciful God is, et cetera. Well, that's a very true statement. Yes, He is incredibly merciful. Otherwise, I'd have been stomped out like a bad mosquito a long time ago. Hallelujah. But on the flip side of that, there are also misunderstanding. When Jesus said, "You will be with me in paradise." It doesn't necessarily mean that he was telling that very, very bad man, you know, when he said, well, you'll be with me in paradise, it doesn't mean he was saying you're going to be with me, sitting with me in the throne room of God. It doesn't mean that, he, you know, that's not what Jesus was saying. He was simply being using a broad stroke comment that said, because of what you said in your act of faith, I am going to allow you into heaven. Because no one comes unto the Father but through me. But he, heaven is a humongous place. It isn't like a little, it isn't like Missoula, Montana, man. We're talking about a planet the size of Jupiter, multidimensional. This is huge. And there are areas where there are Christians and pastors and all sorts of people that did naughty, naughty things that aren't going to be allowed to see God. When it says, without holiness, no one will see God, it's talking about being allowed inside the pearly gates where, the city, where, where Mount Zion is at. All right, so anyway, this is so important to understand because the diversities that are associated with our understanding of things, including the scripture when we're reading the Bible, is amazing. You know, we need to be able to look at Hebrews 12:22 and understand that when it talks about Mount Zion, the city of the living God, that isn't that it's a completely different it's up high on a mountain on it's on up on Mount Zion. It has pearly gates around it. It's not down in the suburbs like Odin Hetrick called where, you know, in the, where the country mansions are located. 
And there's testimonies from people, even pastors, who failed to tithe out of their collection plate offerings and thought it was all for them and were taken by angels to heaven and discovered that they were going to be living in a very small abode, a very small dwelling place. You couldn't even call it a – it horrified the pastor so horribly that when he came back to earth, praise Jesus, he was allowed to come back to earth because he would have been all eternity essentially in an apartment building, a small one-bedroom one, because he wasn't giving. Giving is very important to the, our Father. <clears throat> giving of your time, giving of your love, giving of your compassion, giving of your prayer time, giving of your tears and at least a widow's might. And if you have more than a widow's might, 10% is where it starts. It starts at 10%. That's the baseline. We, you know, Those of us who are blessed with jobs right now, we better be giving like crazy. But also everything is in balance because I know people that – Back in 2014 and 2013, there were a bunch of YouTubers out there telling people that they need to sell everything they have, get rid of their retirement pension, and give it to Jesus because the rapture is going to be next Wednesday. And they bought it, and they did it, and now they're devastated financially. All right? Everything is balanced. Whenever you hear a Christian with boo-hoo-y eyes, you know, using 7,000 different versions of Jesus' name or whatever, okay, on a YouTube channel telling you something like that. Look, if it's extreme, it's not right. It's about balance. Read the book of Proverbs. It's all over Proverbs. It's uh, it's woven throughout Psalms as well. Praise Jesus. All right, uh, again, more, uh, another headline. More historic floods hits Kentucky, leaving at least 37 people dead, many unaccounted for. Another headline, unprecedented raining and flooding shuts Death Valley down. Now, we already covered that, but this one here has some extra details, but I'm not going to go into it. All right, listen to this. The Biden administration, I already mentioned this, has declared monkeypox a public health emergency. Please, again, try to remember uh, H.R. 4350. I don't know that it's passed the Senate yet, but right now if they push it through, they'll get it through because the – Donkey pox people have control of the Congress, all right? This is going to switch, okay, come the midterms unless there's massive fraud and they use those uh, ridiculous excuses for voting machines, which can be completely, they're, you know, hacked. So anyway, that's, who knows what's going to happen. We're just going to have to wait and see. But that's a, that is a major turning point. Next one up, hallelujah. Hell, uh, hellish ruin. Hellish ruin, according to this particular headline. Iran threatens nuclear strike on New York with warheads able to target the United States. Now, I call baloney. Now, I do know that they put up, a, a couple of years ago, they put up a satellite, um, and it was put up for the purpose of guiding missiles. That was a first for the country of Iran, and a very humbling warning, especially because they probably are able to nuclear missiles. However, when I take a look at the Saramane vision, which I hold in the highest regards, um, have found not so much as a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, Ephesians 5.27, in the entire vision, um, she says that Iran shoots a nuclear-tipped missile 
from uh, Libya, but, but Iran did it. So it originates in Libya. So that, that, that would be their feeble attempt at doing a false flag. Hits Israel. We also know that Israel does take out the Fort Al facility with tactical nukes on the bottom of jets, okay, because that was seen by Dr. David O'Rourke. And we know about the sinking of the aircraft carrier in the North Korean Sea and the attack on Seoul by North Korea. But we don't know what the outcome is. And we don't know what the order is, but they're all queued up. All right, another headline. Nuclear talks resume in Vienna as Iran ramps up uranium enrichment. So, again, these, these reports are going hand in hand, and, and it's increasing. Now, I have to admit it kind of troubles me a little bit to um, to realize that um, uh, the that Netanyahu uh, I think it was approximately five years ago um, uh, you know stood in front of the United Nations as I recall with a very very large um, uh, uh, like a whiteboard and he had even had a picture of a um like a bomb like a big black round bomb like from a cartoon or whatever um and um told everybody that you know the the red line has been crossed when it came to israel i don't know if you remember that and i remember thinking to myself as netanyahu was telling everybody in the united nations full house you know that the red line's been crossed um, it's a bomb that's waiting to go off. It's going to completely eradicate Israel. Uh, we can't wait any longer. We got to take them. Think about it. It's 2022. We're halfway through the year. We're past the halfway mark. I've even seen a change in the how long the sun stays out and how what it looks like when it rises. Okay, we're going into the believe it or not the holiday season. My daughter. Her name is Kristen. She um, she she texted me. You know, she's. I can't give her too much information too fast because she shuts down and she freaks out and she's got anxiety issues. But I'm telling you, man, she she's like t- calling me up or sending me text messages, going, "I can't wait for this Thanksgiving. I can't wait for this. I can't wait for that. As soon as September comes around, I'm shifting into." to uh, harvest mode and I'm going to put, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, hay around the house and, and, um, you know, scarecrows and things. So she's getting ready to go all orange. Um, this is just amazing to me. I, I, I can't believe we're still here, but it's the, the, the lesson to be learned. Here, here's the thing. I'm going to share this with you, but since my sound effect board is not working, Hold on a second. I can always try this. Let me see here. I want to share something important to you. Um, hold on a second. Uh, fanfare. Hold on a second. Now I'm going to call. I'm going to try trumpet. Let's see if I even have it on the board. Feast of trumpet shofar blast. No, that's not what I want. Oh no! I have um, too many trumpet fanfares. All right. Wait a minute. This is it. I think. Hold on. Let's play it. tell you something that occurred to me 
Now, I've had a lot of many miracles happen to me over the last couple of weeks as I was going through my own little hell on earth and being very humbled by the people that wrote me and told me that, well, straight up, they said, you're you're a very necessary part of my life. And the last several days have been quite depressing. Um, I, one person even said, uh, you, de- you don't know what you have until it's gone, um, that kind of thing. It was very humbling. I really want to get this. I wish if I could pay somebody who is an expert in Windows 11 sound configuration with mixer boards, I would be like totally paying them right now. Because I want to get this fixed. I want to get everything back in order as soon as possible. I do. It's very important, especially now. Um, Because we order out of chaos and all we have is chaos. But I want to share something with you that occurred to me. I could be wrong. But the more I think about it, I'm not so sure that I am. When I look at the, because you know that I look at things very holistically, more than probably anybody you've ever met. And I can look at him not only holistically, but from eight or nine or 10 or 12 different directions. What what does Iran think? What is the Mossad think? What is Putin thinking right now? You know, I'm not saying I'm 100% accurate, but even if I meet the 80-20 rule and I'm able to look at things from all those different viewpoints, what does Jesus think of this? What does the Bible say about it? Which most people don't even see the stuff. I, I program and the people that regularly listen to this program as you wouldn't, first off, you wouldn't regularly listen to the program if you didn't get it. So like Jesus said, if you can receive it, right? Now, looking at the entire body of Christ and realizing that we – I used to joke around 10-plus years ago, maybe more. I used to say, welcome to the, t- the top 2% of the class. And I meant it, but I didn't mean it in a puffed-up way, you know, like don't think that that's going to buy you buy you some – prize so that you get a silver star and you can go right into heaven. Because that ain't how it works. Last will be first. First will be last. We're told not to think of ourselves any more important or less important to the body of Christ than another. Our humility is what God is looking for, not our intellectual ability. Now, our spiritual acuity, that's a little bit different. And what am I saying? What I'm saying is Why do you suppose, let me ask this in a form of a question, why do you suppose that you are getting this stuff? You're understanding it. Why do you suppose that when you look at the rest of our fellow brothers and sisters and where they are and their understanding of things, and I'm talking about everything, the cosmos, the universe, the diversities, the trillions of life forms, multiple universes, really. When you that, – that, the level that we have been blessed to be able to think at, to consider all of these things in our walk, to have the ability to look with a level head at an entire global – Total chaos situation, panicking, things getting worse, 
We know we're heading into a much deeper, darker part of the third seal. We pretty much are sure that the second seal is a work in progress. It's going way slower than any one of us would have guessed. But why? Why didn't God kill me when I asked him to for like weeks on end, bawling? Was it a selfish act on his part? Well, hey, you're helping out so many other people. No way. I'm not going to let you come home now. I don't know. I, I mean, I know what I think, but I really don't honestly know. I honestly do not know why we, me and the listeners of this program, are so blessed to have an understanding of what's going on on a global level and a godly level and a universe level and galaxy level and kingdom, uh, what, what does heaven look like, you know, all, you know, covenant companions. Covenant Companions, City Mansions, Country Mansions, all this stuff. To understand that when we're going through really crummy times, that it's actually like a a blessing. Now, you can say, well, that's what the Bible tells you, and that's true, but Our challenge from the throne room is to get to a place where we really believe it. So I had people telling me, oh, well, you must have done something wrong because you got hit with that lightning strike. It wasn't a direct hit, you know, but still enough to blow out a big circuit and lose a lot of equipment. And, you know, of course, then there was like the White House events killed people. And then there was another house that's not even golly, probably a, football field from mine that got hit directly and caught on fire so my my stuff was trivial by comparison why are we who we are what makes us different than the millions of others what makes us different than the three four five ten thousand i don't know i'd have to look it up churches across the united states What about the hundreds of thousands across the world probably? I don't know what the exact number is. Do you think we could bring somebody in from a really awesome Holy Spirit-filled church and have them sit with us and have a conversation about the stuff that we talk about, the stuff that the Lord has revealed to us? No. They'd be wanting to cast devils out of us because they wouldn't understand it. The When Jesus would say, if you can receive it, that was, like, in my opinion, probably the epitome of conditions that would make you special to him. He didn't speak things in vain. In the end of the book of Mark, in the last couple of verses it says and we suppose if we had written down everything that jesus had done it would fill up enough books to fill the whole world so when we look at those things that jesus said if you can receive it let the reader beware and we realize that we have probably been blessed with exactly what that stuff meant blessing blesses us And we may be alone on an island, but we have the advantage. We have no excuse. I ain't saying it's, I'm not saying it's 
easy, no way. But we got no excuse but to try as hard as we can to learn how to believe with all of our heart and to praise God for all the ugly that we have to go through. Because it's not just empty words. When you get to the place in your walk where you believe with all your heart that the really crummy times or crummy time that you're going through is unfair, depresses you so bad, you're in tears, you can't believe it, you're borderline angry, you haven't come to the place God is trying to bring you to yet. I have felt all those feelings so many times. I'd be a bazillionaire if I had a dime for each time. The revelation is that we, for some reason, and I don't understand why, are super blessed to be able to look at all this stuff going on, all of it, and not get a bee in our bonnet, not get freaked out, have, you know, half our house's electricity taken out, no internet for seven days for me, thousands of dollars worth of equipment lost. It's a miracle that I'm even doing this show right now. And to be able to wake up tomorrow morning facing a bazillion-dollar client under incredible pressure, and you know what? I don't care. I I mean, I'm just letting you know. There ain't no bee in my bonnet. I'm not upset. I'm not freaking out. I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. I praise God. I thank Jesus. I know I'm going to get through all this stuff, and and I mean it. From the bottom of my heart, I mean it. I remember sitting here when that lightning bolt hit outside the house, scared the heck out of me, and I saw sparks shooting through my wall. When Hurricane Irma went by, a 50-foot palm tree fell on my house directly above my head when I was live on the radio, and my ham radio antenna took it out. It stopped that huge palm tree from smashing through the roof of my house and killing me. Three dead in Washington, D.C. from lightning bolts. Do you think I'm having a second thought about whether or not... Job said in 1315, he said, Though he slay me, my father, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Though he slay me, I will trust him. I am here to tell you from the bottom of my heart at the closing moments of this program, we're already in OT, that I believe, I don't understand it, I don't know why. I can hypothesize until I'm, you know, blue in the face. I honestly believe There's got to be some kind of supernatural, eternal meaning behind the very tiny, infinitesimally small number. Because we are not the only ones that are going to be on, that are going to be a part of the Church of Philadelphia. We are not the only ones that are going to be in the barley harvest. Praise God. And 
That means when you look at the big picture, praise God why. I just leave you with this one thought as you go to bed tonight. I pray in peace or take a nap in the afternoon, depending when you're listening. Why? Why were we blessed with what we know that all of our brothers and sisters, as a general rule, almost all, have no idea? There has to be a supernatural, eternal reason behind all of that. And again, I'd hold up uh, uh, Psalm 139, verse 16, and Ephesians 2.10. God wrote the game plan for each of us in our book. Before we were born, why are we here? Why are we separated, floating around on a piece of ice in the middle of the North Atlantic? Why can we not talk about the things that we know about to any of our brothers and sisters? Why? Why is that? And I have a feeling we're going to find out someday, as long as we stay humble, full of love, full of compassion, continue to pray, reside in the secret place of the Most High, confess of your sins continuously throughout the day, and uh, practice righteousness. For he who practices righteousness is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. First John 3, 7. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person that listens to this program. Father, how could we come this far? We're not perfect. We're not, we're going to make mistakes. We know that we are. Let us, Father, walk in your will continuously. Let us get joy from making you happy. Let us be grieved when we think that we have grieved you. Father, help us, Father, in this journey. We pray for your anointing. I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for a tenfold anointing for any single person out there that even so much as mentions me in their morning prayers or or their prayers throughout the day. Father, I pray for every single person listening to this program that's been especially the regular listeners, but also the ones that have come and gone. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for those of us who are hopeful for the barley harvest to be led on that journey for those lightning bolts to strike and for us to see it as an opportunity to be able to grow in you and to praise your holy name because we know father we know that you are merciful we know that we are being tested we know that we are being conditioned we know that this is all about our eternity it has nothing to do with what we're doing today on this prison planet thank you father We praise your holy name in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we pray and thank you. Amen. God bless you all. We will see you Wednesday night, Lord willing, maybe, with uh, lots of prayers. Um, I might miraculously figure out how to fix the last little part of the computer, and I won't have to talk to you through the phone and whatever. Anyway, praise God. Thank you for all joining us tonight. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Lord willing. And by the way, I don't have any goodbye music because I haven't had a chance to search through what's on the uh, whatever. So I'll sing you a song. Um, uh, Let's see here. Um, No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, God bless you all for joining us. We'll see you at 7 p.m. Wednesday night, Lord willing. uh, And um, I pray in Jesus' name that you have the, the spirit of the peace of the living God just completely imbue every part of your body, soul, spirit, flesh, and heart. In the mighty name of Jesus, all throughout this week, we call down the holy fire of God to surround you, your loved ones, and to protect your prayers so that they make it directly into the throne room of God and are answered 
quickly while you're praising Jesus. God bless you all for joining us tonight. We'll see you Wednesday. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.